0: You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of
1: the cockpit door.
2: WAPG, it's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy, episode 491. Yeah, he's in the sky. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. With your host, Captain Jet, broadcasting live from Studio 2S at the Doubletree Hotel in Madison, Wisconsin. Today's show is recorded on the 28th of September, 2021. Yeah, he's up
3: in the sky. It's the Air Pilot Guy.
2: Today's episode Air Force jets intercept a Cessna flying in restricted airspace while the UN was in session. A new Alaska based airline purchases its first six planes. More news, your feedback, and today's plane tale where it all began. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger. Flight 491 is ready for pushback.
4: Thank you, Radio Roger. He is an award-winning TV and radio reporter currently at the number one all news station in the nation. 1010 wins in
3: New York City!
4: Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot, and a major legacy airline based in Atlanta GA. And joining me from across the pond, from his studio.
5: In Hartford,
2: Hereford, and Hampshire.
4: Professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340, captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. It's Captain Nick.
6: (laughs) Hello. Hello, Jeff. Only nine to go before our 500. Getting close.
4: Yeah. We're going to have to talk about that one of these days. Good idea. But in the meantime, I think we should cover some news. Stand by for news. Our first news item, follow on from APG 488. Okay, so we talked about this a couple of episodes ago. Uh, BA, British Airways, abandons its plans for short-haul subsidiary. And this was sent to us from Nigel Demery. Uh, This is from theguardian.com. Uh, As I said, uh, they're they're because we talked about them opening up a short haul subsidiary out of Gatwick proposals for that subsidiary is ditched after pilots refused to back the deal between the airline and union. Ah, there you go. It's always a pilot's fault.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nothing to do with the conditions that the uh, company were offering the pilots.
4: No, because I'm sure it was completely reasonable.
6: All those all those (laughs) greedy pilots.
4: Greedy pilots. It's that's the, yeah. the we're the reason for most of the of what ails this world. I think
6: absolutely great show title. Greedy pilots.
4: Greedy pilots. Yeah. So uh, BA suspended their operations at the UK's second biggest airport at the start of the pandemic and said it could only relaunch short haul services if it could lower its cost base, uh, including staff terms and conditions. Anyway. Uh, So if you want to read more about that, we'll put this article, this link uh, in the uh, show notes. I guess uh, anything else uh, to say here about this one? Um, I think uh, the British Airline Pilots Association Acting General Secretary Martin Chalk said, we are disappointed that we couldn't come to arrangements that were acceptable to our members. We stand ready to work with BA to find such arrangements that could be acceptable. Uh, It is understood union negotiators were sworn to secrecy secrecy in initial talks and could only sound out the wider membership after recommending the deal, with most pilots proving not to be in favor. The airline made thousands of workers redundant last year and slashed pay and conditions for many more after COVID and travel restrictions led to record losses. In a letter to pilots, BA's chief uh, operating officer, Jason Mahoney, said, we believe we could build a competitive BA-branded short-haul operation out of Gatwick and take advantage of these pilots. And no, I'm sorry, he didn't say that. Um, <laughs>
6: well, there's they, that, that the nub of it, actually. Yeah, take advantage of the pilots. I mean, um, many are already working on a, you know, a downgraded pay, scale, pay scales. Mm-hmm. You can bet your bottom dollar this wasn't going to be uh, up to at least that standard. It was almost certainly going to be even lower yeah. So um, you know, you can only scrape uh, too much away. You're not going to make that much uh, additional profit from um, uh, by cutting uh, your employees' pay. Uh, eventually, of course, uh, you know the competition will increase, and you'll need to go back to where you were. But uh, this is, the, you know, you've got, you've got to really play fair if you want the cooperation of your pilots.
4: Yep, you do. So lesson learned, right? Maybe. No. Well, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure.
6: Yeah. I well, mean, the yeah. fact is that the, the company are, uh, are quite happy to put out a press uh, release saying it was the pilots that declined. Mm-hmm. But, of course, the pilots uh, union has been, um, they've been muted by an agreement with the company that they wouldn't discuss those terms. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, had, we been a- had they been able to, I'm sure we would have all looked at this with a different eye.
4: Right. I agree. I agree. Okay, well, so, so much for that. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I think I see, oh, look at that. We have uh, joining us, uh, let me find my little script here, from our Lakeside studio in South.
2: Keg-a-lucky, keg-a-lucky.
4: Dr. Skydiver, Marathon Runner, Strength Training Junkie, IPA Connoisseur, and Commercial Multi-Engine Instrument Rated Backstabbing Jumper Dumper. We like to call her Dr. Steph.
7: Hi, guys. Glad I can join you this evening.
4: We're glad you can make it too.
7: I just have nothing set up here, so continue with whatever's going on at the moment, and I will figure it out as we progress. We
4: will continue on, and uh, then you can give us all your smart commentary. When uh, you have it all set up stuff.
7: Sounds good.
4: Okay. uh, Let's continue with the second item in the uh, news notebook. This is uh, from dailyvoice.com. F-16. The Fort Lee
7: Daily Voice.
4: Oh, I'm sorry. The Fort Lee, New New Jersey Daily Voice. All I'm looking at, I'm just looking at the URL that says dailyvoice.com. So. Uh, Let's see, an F-16 fighter jet intercepts plane in restricted airspace over uh, the George Washington Bridge. Uh, Again, from the Fort Lee Daily Voice. And uh, I have a little bit of video to play. But before I do, uh, let me describe the situation. In a moment, that froze some witnesses on the ground. Air Force fighter jets intercepted a Cessna aircraft above the George Washington Bridge and escorted it away from restricted airspace during the 76th session of the United Nations General Assembly in Manhattan on Tuesday. The Cessna 182 is owned by the United States Military Academy at West Point. Oh, not at all embarrassing, Uh, then. And was being flown by an (laughs) Army instructor (laughs) pilot. There you go. (laughs) Nope. Damned the, Army. Uh, the Academy said in a oh, statement. The army, isn't it? I'm wondering what's going to happen to this guy. Uh, anyway, the instructor was conducting a, quote, civil and mechanical engineering flight lab for cadets when the aircraft, quote, briefly violated a temporary flight restriction uh, area near the George Washington Bridge around 2 p.m.
7: Briefly. Probably, like, it's a sliding, like it's a sliding scale of violation, right? Like oh, absolutely.
6: He was uh, probably not reading his no-times on the advice of
4: the uh, NTS. You know why? Bunch oh, of garbage. Uh, because uh, I know why and I'm, I'm why it's because of <laughs> this. That's what NODAMs
6: are. They're just a bunch of garbage that nobody pays any attention to. <laughs> yep. Including uh, army including the Army instructors. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Oh, let's see. It was pretty dramatic because this comes, obviously, a few weeks after the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and occurred over the George Washington Bridge along the Hudson River in plain view of New Yorkers. Newsweek editor-at-large, Navid Jamali, said, The West Point Civil and Mechanical Engineering Department operates two Cessna 182 fixed-wing aircraft as part of the aeronautical engineering curriculum, the Academy says. The flight lab program launched more than 50 years ago gives cadets the opportunity to reinforce classroom material through lab procedures. Uh, F-16C Vipers from the 187th Fighter Wing of the Alabama Air National Guard, the famous Red Tails, had been on patrol for the General Assembly at the United Nations on Tuesday and immediately intercepted the Cessna. When I first read that, I went, what? They scrambled them all the way from Alabama. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Um, That was pretty quick. Yeah, darn quick. I I know they're fast jets, but I didn't know they were that fast. Uh, Let's see. Once they realized they had violated the airspace, they immediately left the area and returned to the airport, a West Point spokesperson told the Military Times. Uh, That would be New York um, Stewart International Airport, 15 or so miles northwest of the Military Academy. Anyway, uh, James McCabe was at Hudson Terrace and Charlotte Place in Inglewood Cliffs when he captured video of a fighter jet. And so uh, let's uh, see that. I think I have that all queued up and ready to go. Here we go. There right. uh, we go. There's an F 16. Kind of hard to see, but it's Where's in the, the right tile. It's the
6: right tile? Oh. I can't see the red tail. Hang on. Hang on.
4: Uh, Where's the red? Well, you just got to assume you can see the red tail there. Just tiny, tiny. Yeah. Anyway. It says that. So I don't know where the Cessna is. (laughs) Uncertain.
7: They're escorting it, obviously.
4: Yeah. I
6: don't think he'll be able to keep up with that.
4: Well, (laughs) I thought it was interesting in this uh, article. uh, And according, I guess this is from uh, Twitter. Um. Oh, where is that? We were talking about this earlier, Liz. Um. Hmm, no, I can't find it. Oh, uh, James McCabe, the one that supplied this video on Twitter, says, "Um. Well, I don't know who actually made this comment. Footage posted on Twitter showed it later doing loops over Northern Manhattan. Hmm. Loops. I don't. Or so, like." yeah so that's here here's the i think one of the problems is that people who are not pilots or or know something about aviation lingo yeah and you know like in our um uh, in our language of uh, like roadways and that kind of you know a loop is uh you know the uh, circuit or something around something else so i kind of understand why they think that or they see a uh something on flight aware or flight radar 24 and say well the airplane was doing loops you know like when they're in a holding pattern or something but i'd say 99.9% of us who are in aviation for a living especially the pilots when you say loops to us it's a in a vertical um space not a horizontal space like the roller coaster that
3: screen, yeah
4: Jeff? oh i do want to unshare that screen liz thank you I there think we go the
3: i haul boxes has a good
7: comment here
3: well
4: i haul boxes says the army should do what the army does best do ground stuff. <laughs> well, wow. they do, they do helicopter stuff, they right? Do. They, do they do that do. very well. And, uh, and actually, I know some really, really sharp army people who actually fly fixed wing aircraft. Um, and, uh, one, one's, um, uh, letters are Alpha Golf, right? Now, Alpha, yes, yeah, Alpha Golf. You got it right from, uh, From Oscar Bravo. (laughs) That's a podcast. Look it up.
7: We have to have our mandatory opposing bases.
4: Yeah, I know, Liz. I don't know how I end up. uh, Every time I do a show, I can't help but mention their podcast.
7: They live (laughs) in our heads.
4: Yeah, but it's a great podcast, by the way, opposing bases. Check it out. And uh, as many of you have done, they checked it out and then they left us forever. And they don't like us anymore.
8: Bye-bye. Makes
4: me sad. (laughs) Don't uh-huh. let the door hit you. In I was the- wearing
6: one of their T-shirts <laughs> until I got it soaked earlier.
4: Uh-huh. Um, oh,
6: by the way, they're the, the best podcast in
4: the world. That is true. Of all time. Mm-hmm. Of, all time. of all time. Forever and ever. <laughs> in the world. The end. Yes. I don't even know why we're trying.
7: Well, I,
3: we don't.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we don't. That's a good point. <laughs> We don't. <laughs> Shut up, Steph. Yeah, we don't. You're all right. We've <laughs> given up. Um, what did you say, Liz? We've given up. Yeah, we've given up. Um. All right. So, you know, I should probably play this. Uh, I don't do that enough. Uh, people are going, well, why does Jeff keep you know, like you repeating everything that Liz is saying? I can hear her just fine. Well, let me play this.
7: Pardon the interruption.
2: When we're recording the show live, the only person who can hear me is Captain Jeff. Now he's decided to include my audio here in the post-show edit.
4: Lucky you. Enjoy. Although if you're watching the video right now as we're doing this live, you're going, well, I still don't hear her, Jeff. What are you, what are you talking about? Anyway, um, so, so I think. Nev
3: has a comment here.
4: Oh, Just what does Nev have to, to say? On. Nick in a wet t-shirt concerns me. Yeah, it concerns all of us. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm,
7: mm-hmm. Thanks for that visual, Nev. Yeah. <laughs> Why did that come up? What?
4: Uh, because he said that he was wearing a an opposing bases uh, t shirt oh, and was I soaking wet. Right? <laughs> what
6: is
7: yes, That's not an opposing bases t
4: shirt. Yeah. No, this is uh,
6: This is the one, Steph. Uh, yes. Printed it's up for a. Us. Yeah.
4: Okay. Well, let's try to get this darn thing back on track. Let's talk Good about this preliminary report. It was an accident. Um, Trans Maldivian. Maldivian. Maldivian.
3: I would Maldivian.
4: Maldivian um twin otter since uh, the Maldives we um, covered it when it happened yes we did cover it when it happened it's a twin otter dhc6 at male male yeah on uh, october we 5th. we don't
7: know so you're going you're guessing i was just waiting good liz, was, liz
4: was giving oh, yeah. me affirmation and confirmation gotcha. of that Yep, it is on october 5th 2020 sudden roll to the right and left during water landing and we really didn't know much about this at the time um let's see but the preliminary report is uh let's see where at what point does the even the final report...
6: reports out now oh yeah. really okay
4: yeah uh well then let me see if i can find the final report Sorry, uh, on september
7: 23rd 2021 gotcha. they released their final report and probable causes Ah, oh, the
4: causes and contributing factors of this accident were loss of control on landing wow Duh. took a lot of investigation to figure that one out <laughs> um varying crosswind conditions during landing yeah, I sometimes get that too, but I don't crash the airplane. Okay. Lack of practice or experience. Oh. oh. Uh change of motor skills of the PIC for landing float planes. Turns out that the PIC had never flown a, a float plane. No, that's not true. I didn't they didn't say that. No. Yeah, um, she had
6: quite a bit of yeah, experience. I yes, thought.
7: but yeah. not recent float but oh. not as much recent float plane experience. But
6: a well, fair, like a fair 37- amount of seven 37 hours in the last 90 days or something?
7: Yeah, so I mean, yeah, yeah, it sounds reasonable to me. But oh.
4: Really? Not to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. I fly that reasonable. in a couple of weeks. Yeah, but
6: 37 hours uh, when you're only probably doing quite short trips. Oh, so trips a lot of and, takeoffs and, and landings. probably not a,
7: yeah.
4: That's a yeah, good point. You're right. That is a lot of time then for that kind of flying. Yeah.
7: I mean, in 37 hours, I could do, uh, like,
4: how many and pops can you do in 37? It's like hours?
7: 70 landings, <laughs> probably. Kidding
6: <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> See, hey, yeah, that's right. I, I I know that God. Steph is float plane qualified. So uh-huh. what is what are the problems of trying to land a float plane in a crosswind, Steph?
7: Well, so yeah, I mean, just like um landing any aircraft. You want to be aligned into the wind as much as possible, not always um possible depending on the um available landing area that you have. You might be restricted by um, the shoreline, trees, obstacles, um, might be surface conditions of the water. If it's really rough and choppy, the direction you want to land along the, the waves may influence that some. Um, but otherwise, you're going to apply same crosswind landing principles.
6: Okay, and my next question is, if you're going to ground loop, or should I say water loop, uh, a float plane, uh, okay. does it happen if you land on one float uh, is there anything in to do with the crosswind that might exacerbate the tendency to ground low? Ooh, extra points for exacerbate. That's a yeah. exacerbate.
7: <laughs> um, <laughs> so I mean, not, re- not any different than just touching down normally on, on grass. It depends on, so again, so water doesn't behave the same way that land does. Um, it can be moving with different waves and, and surface winds, um, so you're just going to have to take that into account and be aware of it. I don't know that answer to your specific question. Let's um, keep in mind that my float plane rating was like seven years ago, and I have not flown one since. So I am certainly not current for that no type of operation. Well, you're more current than me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, So I mean, you're not float sound, plane so, expert. Yeah, but let's, let's go back to so the they said variable crosswind conditions, but 300 degrees at 11 knots, eh, that doesn't sound... Terrible.
4: Well, the maximum demonstrated crosswind for the DHC-6 Twin Otter aircraft on floats is 17 knots. So, yeah, that could be, um, yeah, apparently it's a little tricky uh, when you have the floats on that thing.
7: Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of surface area, right? Mm -hmm. So.
4: Just after touchdown, the aircraft rapidly banked rolled to the right within, with the right float and wing dipping into right float and wing dipping into water that seems like a lot of bank
7: i mean we- it sounds to me like they caught the surface of the water at an odd uh odd yeah. angle you know like it was um not along the line of the waves or into the the wind direction as much as they wanted to be
6: and have you guys actually opened up the final report and taken a look at the water landing area because there's a picture of it right at the end of that report. Let's take a look at it.
4: Okay. Um, is it the AviationSafety.net database record? Is that it? No,
6: it, it's, uh, there's a link on the 23rd of September, blah, blah, release oh. their final report.
4: That oh, really- okay. Here, let me click on that. And then I can sh- Oh, that's making me download something. Well, okay. That took like
7: three seconds for it to download.
4: Okay. Well then I got a at lot the very more end. I have a lot more other yeah a lot thing a lot of things to do. But a lot uh, more other stuff. A lot more other things. Okay. How do I go to the end? Uh, uh is it like scroll. command down arrow? Page Ooh, thirty-one. Okay. Um here we go. I'm looking at the pictures and page thirty one. Okay.
7: Oh, I've got mine upside down.
4: All right, so I yeah. Sh- bear,
6: bear in mind that north is down, which is a very odd way to put a diagram in an aviation. <laughs> north is north. No, north
7: is is left on the picture. Oh,
6: on mine it's down. Yeah, because okay. the page
7: is sideways, also.
6: Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So well, they have
7: a couple of north southbound landing areas, um, yeah, and then but an they've east, got one east west.
6: Yeah, they got one that is almost. Looks about perfectly on about two nine zero yep, which is pretty darn
7: close to three hundred
6: yeah, exactly, so yeah. there you go that that is it looks a short one, so said you, the actress so you the don't Bishop. need
7: a long um landing area on water, I mean you get a lot more friction and surface to yeah. to slow you down
6: i mean uh, that airfield diagram doesn't have any headings for those or no. lengths, which would it is a bit perturbing you're supposed to be trying to calculate landing distance and stuff, but we'll assume that float planes don't need to do any of that. Um, <laughs> no, but the, yeah, that that east-west one that's in the middle <laughs> looks perfectly aligned for what they wanted to do. So I'm just wondering why they were having a crosswind problem, unless, of course, they elected to land
4: not land on that one. Anyway. I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting yeah, question. I I think so too because you know you would think that you know you're landing on water, so it's not like concrete, and so you can kind of adjust. Uh, you know, yeah, like I mean, right, there's no right real the
6: set. Uh, that's, that's one of the great advantages of landing on a lake or something, isn't it? You can more or less line yourself in, directly so into wind says, generally. Yeah, within the limitations. Winds from the
7: west. So, oh, okay. Here, winds for, uh, later on. It says I was reading the initial report. There was 300 knots or 300 degrees 11 knots here it says 290 and 20 knots um it was and they variable were landing. Said, yeah yeah
6: well that that took, for the yeah, aircraft approaching
7: from the south to land on the area referred to as north right
6: which yeah, is so they Not, were deliberately landing on yeah on a runway we giving themselves a big crosswind, crosswind. So yep i have to say why
7: i agree with your question there nick Good.
6: Okay. And do they say so in the final report? Why?
4: I mean, no, the, I, I nope. couldn't
6: find any reference to it. Which, which also I found a bit surprising because that would be one of my questions. Yeah, and I would have hoped the report would have uh, highlighted that. So That's
7: there, anything. there was um, in this report, and correct me if I'm mixing up reports, but I think this was the same one um, where they had mentioned that it, um, this PIC had flown the twin Otter on floats previously, like 2009, 2011 and then was flying Twin Otter, um, uh, just conventional gear, for quite a number of years, and then went back to on floats. And it said something about it took him longer to master the landing attitude of float planes than required um, for most. Was that in this No, you're quite right,
6: Steph. Uh, The normal conversion uh, allocation would be 25 hours. Yep. And I think it took him around 60 Correct. to get uh, cleared to flight yeah. PIC. So that's so a little concerning. That is. That is. That's, I mean, that's that's a lot of, I'm, I'm quite surprised they threw that number of hours at him. But, you know, mm. um, because a lot of uh, companies would have gone, nah, sorry, you're not
4: making the grade. Uh, we'll find another pilot. They may have been a very good reason. For Liz is making, making a very, very good point. Uh, she's, she's first of all, remarking on how your skills uh, as an investigator, Nick, are unused, and you should do something about that. And secondly, in in support of that, we all, as an APG crew, should head over to the Maldives. And, uh, and, and <laughs> yes. do a little bit more in own depth. Our question. own investigation. Yeah, <laughs> Does the
7: investigation kind of also idea. include cocktail consumption?
6: Oh yes. yes, on the beach. yes. Of yeah, we need I to know. find out how many cocktails he consumed of which kind, <laughs> and taste them to see what they were like, and how long it
4: takes <laughs> to get inebriated. All combinations should... of all those things too. I mean, <laughs> we could Just be there for, for our quite 500th some time.
2: Show. <laughs> that's good
4: idea. where we're going to do the five hundredth show. I think now.
6: There you go. Do they have the internet in the Maldives? I certainly Who helps? Yeah. Who cares? Who
2: yeah. <laughs> we'll tape it for later
4: yeah, supposed to. Somebody will take yeah. a video of it and we'll upload it at some point. Yeah. Nav, yeah. Later. Nav can come yeah. too. Yeah, Nav can come too, Liz says. He'll take ah, care of so, all the video.
7: So here, I'm just gonna add this in here too. Um yeah. uh, so he got released to line flying after it took him the 60 hours to be signed off. Um, um but then he did not fly as regularly because of lockdown. Yeah um,
6: uh. Well, that, uh, that's going to be true for an awful lot. Awful of lot,
7: of, but yeah. But you take someone who took longer to get signed off, and then they're not flying regularly and practicing those skills. You get yep. some degradation of, um, yeah, of skills.
6: That yeah, is but, for sure. But he did 37 hours in.
4: Yeah, I think that's 90 days. So. Still, hey Liz, do we? Enough. Did I have those overlays in there for the for that particular? Uh, I think we had two more. in there. I believe. Sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. I didn't put the uh, little. Um attention Liz notes in the uh in there. What well, the she a mind point? reader? Uh maybe it probably should be 01C. Uh, um maybe I just never got no, them in there. I
7: got zero one D, zero one E.
4: Oh, okay. Apparently I didn't get them in there. My bad. Don't see yeah. them. Okay. So the anyway, the it's but I'm
7: it's sure a they were looking twin otters. They were they were great. Really, uh <laughs> dinged up right wing and left propeller. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, that water's hard stuff, isn't it? It's made a real mess yeah. of it. Yeah,
7: it's not as forgiving as some people like to think it is.
6: No, I agree. i like they've put a nice beach towel over the engine to keep it dry. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's what that's doing there. <laughs> yes. So we're going to go and do the one, the standing on its tail anyway. one.
4: Okay, let's the, move to skip, yeah. the next item, zero one D. Correct, Liz. Yes. Uh, what, what, yep, USC yep. plane tips backward yep, on, on tarmac. No one hurt. Nobody hurt. This is from Dallas Glick in South Carolina, North Carolina, they in a yeah.
3: Um
4: He says, don't forget to put in that tail stand before you deplane." Love the show. Thank you very much. This is from ESPN.com. Uh, USC Trojans. And why, team... would, why
7: would ESPN be
4: doing this? Uh, I, I ask. Well, ESPN would do that because it's a sports team. It's a charter, a football Uh-oh. charter, USC Trojans. See, University of Southern California is a, is a college out in California. California. And uh, the Trojans close. is their mascot and not what you're thinking. Um, no. oh. And they were on a charter flight, <laughs> she's, and uh, she's putting the overlay up there. And, uh, yeah, it looks like, uh, and, and this happened, uh, the, the, uh, 737, I think it's either an 800 or a 900. I can't really tell.
7: I, oh, I read the article on previously. I f- okay. It's an eight. I think it's a nine. I think
4: 900. it's probably a nine. nine hundred. I think it's a nine hundred. More, more of that problem flies. than the 800 does. But yeah, there's a specific procedure that you have to put a pole up um underneath the tail to keep this from <laughs> where?
3: Oh, I pull, where
4: pull up its that. tail. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Um Sweet. yeah, exciting. Um and uh they apparently didn't did, do this. Uh, where were they when that's this happened? Um I, Lewiston, in Idaho. Lewiston, Idaho Idaho. <laughs> Idaho. Uh oh. and apparently the the ground crew wasn't completely uh briefed or briefed at all, maybe <laughs> on you have to do this. I, you be- know, I
7: don't think they get 737s, and they're very often, probably, perhaps not. in the yeah. Lewiston, Idaho. Yeah,
4: yeah. so the
7: still on the plane. Where yes, the, the
4: the uh, the uh, it's a 737 900. Several yeah, okay, went. 737 900. Several of the um, passengers were still on the airplane, and this was during the deplaning process. These are
7: these are um, large ish football players, correct? Yeah, very they large. They're near the um, yeah, back craft. Well,
4: that College they well, kids just you me. know. I mean, yeah, but oh, yeah, have you seen some of the college football players over <laughs> <up> here? <laughs> I'm joking, joking. Yeah, I've seen. So, I've yeah, they're seen, like two or three yeah. times my size. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, yeah. So I'm. I'm. It doesn't say anything about anybody getting being hurt, but I, I'm. No, surprised no one
6: was hurt. wasn't it. I'm trying to remember now. The Trojans who had a terrible loss of life uh, in an aircraft crash uh, many no. years ago. No, no, I think you're so. getting a
7: Marshall. Um, uh, ah, yeah.
6: okay. Yes, I am. Yes.
4: So, okay. Yeah, anyway, so that was interesting and a big old whoopsie. Sorry Oops. about that.
3: No. Welcome um, to Idaho.
4: Welcome to Idaho. Have a nice day.
6: <laughs> Have a good game, guys. Uh, <laughs> now I, I can just see the bubble. Now, everyone run to the front. <laughs> yeah,
7: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, we'll pretend like it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Now back to the back again.
4: <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's
7: like a, like a seesaw teeter totter. Yeah,
9: exactly.
4: Anyway, well, so we that's thought that all was all the news funny. for this. That's all session. the news for this part one of this wonderful episode 491. And uh, so that means we are going to go over here. I'm going to play this little sound thingy. It's uh, the getting to know us time for part one. And it's the time of the show where we kind of talk about what we've been doing between. Episodes and it's been what it was last Tuesday was, about a week ago, right? Yeah, it was about a week ago, I believe. Yeah, uh, I yeah. have
7: no idea when did where are we, what where is it? So long where, time ago, I, I I don't yeah. Think.
4: And it took me it was, a very it was long last, time to it was last uh, Monday. It was do last that. Monday. Oh, it was Monday, wow, even worse. Hmm. Yeah, sorry. Um, for those of you, um, expecting to you know watch, listen to the show a little bit earlier. It took me a while to get this thing all edited and everything else because of some of these personal things going on in my life. Uh, So I do apologize for that, but we got it out there and I got it. My goal is to get it published before we record the next episode. (laughs) So I've been able to do that so far.
7: Lofty goals. (laughs) Well,
4: thank you. (laughs) All right. Uh, So speaking of lofty uh, stuff, Mm. Have you been up uh, aloft in your skydiving airplane recently? Maybe
7: 20 hours in the past weekend or something. That's a lot. It's not quite that much. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think. So seven Hobbs hours on Sunday. And I actually have to go back and add up what they were on Saturday because we flew two different airplanes and ferried an airplane on Sunday night. So I don't know. That sounds about right. Yeah. A lot of time in an airplane. Over the weekend.
4: Yeah. So. Good. good, Beautiful weather for flying.
7: Beautiful weather for jumping. It's a nice time of year here in South Kakalaki.
6: Yeah. I enjoyed Uh, some of the pictures, particularly the ones with the ornaments.
7: (laughs) We are not going to go into that. Oh, yeah, that one. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Uh, have you been engaging? Let's just say that we have a good time, um, you know, in our (laughs) our weekend uh, sporting pursuits. Have you
4: been engaging in any more of those four ways, Steph?
7: Me personally, no. It's oh. very sad. It's a little bit of a dry spell at the moment on
4: the the four mm. way jumps. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> 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 all right. Um. How many total
7: <laughs> hours? Jen wants. Jen Niffer wants to know how many total hours I have. It's coming up on eight hundred and fifty.
4: Wow! Ooh, brilliant! Mm. Only seven six fifty more, and I know. Uh, get okay. that old ATP and mm. join us. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah, in all my other spare time. Yeah, yeah. take
4: a peg cut. Yeah. Yeah, take a picture yeah, that's true. <laughs> mm. but,
7: yeah, but it seems like they hard you guys hardly work, so I think that's a good, good trade off.
4: Well, that that can be deceiving, actually. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, I
7: know it seems like I don't work, but um,
6: well, you're always I, late to the show, so you must be doing something. I'm oh, working. What the heck, she's doing?
7: <laughs> Day job. Some of us have to work, like you know. I I kind of have shifted things a little bit, so it's really more like seven to four instead of eight to five. Um,
6: oh wow, uh, early I'd start. I'd rather.
7: Yeah, I've got. Yeah, yeah, and um, more airplane ferrying tomorrow night. Hopefully, if uh, the caravan is done with its hundred-hour maintenance, and um, then I've just got a whole bunch of running coming up. Um, we'll talk some more about that next week. I
3: think.
4: Okay, excellent. Very good. All right. A little teaser there. Um, Anything else besides the running and the flying and the dumping? And the working. And the working. Work, work, Um,
7: work. No, but interestingly, there's been a few people who have come out to the Drop Zone within the past month. And just kind of, one of them is, the the, we have feedback on one of them. There was another, um, see if I can find the message I received because it went to like my Instagram DMs and I didn't see it for like weeks. And then I felt bad about it um oh no actually it went to my i take it back it went to my airline pilot guy email account which sometimes works and sometimes does not we should probably work on that i have a
4: big switch that i turn on and off yeah
7: yeah so it was like three weeks and then all of a sudden i saw it, and i was like oh i'm sorry i would not have i was not ignoring you intentionally but we'll we'll talk about some of those things so Hmm. pretty pretty cool that um people have come out to watch some skydiving activities number 17 16
4: you know are you talking about are you talking about dallas
7: Dallas, and um, there was one other listener uh, as well. I'll find out. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Sorry,
4: um, yeah. We'll Yeah, we'll save mm-hmm. that for the yeah. uh, the feedback. Okay. Um, Which I don't see right now. But anyway.
7: Uh, it's number 15.
4: Oh, okay. 15. I thought somebody said yeah. 17. I went, I don't have 17 of mine. <laughs> somebody jipped somebody me out of a couple there. Yeah. Um, uh,
7: Dallas and Brad, actually.
4: Okay. There you yep. go. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Now they know where, where you're flying and down there.
7: I know they found me. Yeah. Um, oh, man, he, Dallas emailed me separately too. And I just barely, I don't know what's going on with my email. It doesn't well, give me notifications well, for that account. I'm going to have to fix that. Um, my apologies to anyone who's trying to email me on my airline pilot guy account.
4: And it's not me. I don't have anything to no, do with it. It's, it's probably IT. The IT department at APG needs it's to, to they're a little slack. I know.
7: Actually, sure. actually, it's if anything, it's probably some setting that I have. On my uh, phone with the email, um, yeah. I'll, I'll try and fix that.
4: Well, the one that Steph uses mostly is mute. Yeah, mute conversations with everyone.
7: <laughs> well, so let me just really quick say that I, I do have a relatively busy day job, and all of my notifications – from my phone coming to my watch. So um, when certain people are having just this really protracted, long text conversation with like hundreds of messages over like a 15, I 20 minute it. period. I don't know she's um, no, it's slightly I distracting while I'm trying to talk to my patients. So the mute function is wonderful. Unfortunately, I forget to unmute it and then I miss things. Um, or fortunately. Or I can just imagine you li-
6: lining up a needle into someone's spine and you understand buzzes. why?
3: You understand why I mute the...
7: Well, Ding, so, uh, let's go even a step further than that. Sometimes, you know, just the way that you're positioned, you know, you can have your arm or your forearm down on um, someone's back a little bit, and they can feel that vibration.
2: <laughs> what kind of <laughs> is that your watch? Uh, What kind of syringe is that? You're
7: getting a phone call. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> thanks. Thank you. Thanks. I know. Who is it from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's nobody important. It's fine. Oh, Moving on. It's nobody important. Uh,
10: Love it. Just kidding. Love it.
7: Yeah. Cool. So, my, my apologies there, too. If you really need me, just um, individual text will come through. Usually, I just mute the group notifications.
4: Anyway, not All always. Right. Enough of your I excuses. love you
7: guys. Uh-huh. All right, I'll stop talking now.
4: Okay. Um, Captain Nick, what's been up Yeah, with well, you?
6: Since we're in apology mode, I'm going to put out apology now. Because uh, I got a, an email from uh, Ben, um, who said... Uh, just wanted to let you know that the Plain Tales podcast and webpage seemed to be stuck in July. <laughs> and I went, really? So I went and had a look. Uh, and uh, yes, the uh, last Plain Tale I uploaded um, was back then. And there are seven queued up waiting for me that Jeff has uh, uh, put on uh, uh, WordPress ready to be uh, finished off and then put onto the website, and I'm sorry to say that I've been just so maxed out over the past few weeks that I haven't got round to that, but I've got a quiet couple of weeks coming up, uh, certainly uh, after next week, uh, and I shall endeavour to get up to speed with that. So apologies for that. Um, one of the things I've been involved with, of course, was the meetup, uh, which we had on Saturday uh, at the Hangar Cafe at Fair Airport, and it went very well. Um, uh, I did the live plane tale, which we're going to hear later on in the show. Uh, And uh, Nev, who's in the chat room, was very kindly there to uh, record it for posterity. And uh, he also did a quick chat with me. Well, hello, PCUK and APG. Although, to be fair, they ought to be the other way around, APG being the senior podcast. Um, We're here at Fair Oaks. And it is September the 25th, Saturday, uh, and about 11 o'clock. So people are starting to assemble for the meter, which is fantastic. Um, it's been a little bit grey, bit drizzly here. We were a trifle worried because this is all outdoors. Um, and I was going to say the good thing is that because the cloud base is so low, not many people are flying. But as you can probably hear in the background, some... An intrepid aviator has uh, set off to, oh, it's a bloody helicopter. Well, you've got to be more intrepid to fly one of those, haven't you? Uh, He's busy um, clapping hands, rubbing his tummy, and kicking his legs all at one go. We admire helicopter pilots. They have fantastic coordination. So we're here. Um, We've got a good number of uh, listeners have pitched up. Uh, Some famous uh, personalities you will know, Adam Spink uh, from uh, air traffic at Heathrow. We've got Captain Nige, uh, ex of uh, Cathay Pacific and the Royal Air Force. Uh, We've got a new listener, Simon, who um, fantastically uh, was a Navy Harrier pilot and... um, he Decided to leave and uh, join TUI, but unfortunately, the pandemic put paid to that. So, um, he is now instructing on the simulator, the F 35 simulator at Marham. So, um, uh, lovely to meet him. And, uh, hopefully, with any luck, he because he's a clever chap married a uh, nice. Uh, American lady he 's going to go across to the states and look for a job over there, so uh, if you 're looking for our fantastic pilots, uh, Delta or uh, Acme even, um, then he 's your man. Um, in a moment we're going to set up around the corner and do our plain tail and hopefully we might even attract some of the lovely general public here to listen to that and from that, you never know we might generate some new listeners to the podcast. Um, Anyway, uh, great to see Nev here. Thanks very much indeed, Nev. You'll never get to see him. He's always the other side of the camera lens. Um, Great to see everyone else. Um, We've got people who've come from far and wide, so uh, really nice. Uh, The attendance, I hope, will swell as we approach 12 o'clock. In fact, uh, we've got a whole load of mammals just arrived. Uh, Middle-aged men in Lycra. I'm sure they're not listeners, but you never know. All right, Neb, I'm going to hand it back to you, and uh, see you later.
4: Middle-aged men in lycra. Mm.
6: Yes, I know those that strange thing. That's an
7: interesting demographic.
6: Um. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, yeah.
7: I bet they listen. Actually,
6: oh, uh, maybe you never know. So uh, we won't be rude about them. So that was great. great. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. A little bit more about that in uh, the feedback. Some uh, some of the uh, audience who attended uh, are going to say a little bit for us. And then, of course, the plane dove coming up. So are getting plenty from that meetup today. Um, I also had a great um, photo shoot uh, the other day, uh, a scenting dog trial. Uh, and it was at the Boscombe Down Aviation Experience at Old Sarum Airport, uh, or Airfield, I should say. Uh, so that um, collection of aircraft uh, specifically really aimed at um, the Empire Test Pilot School and the aircraft that they had there at Boscombe Down, where uh, the ETPS is um, uh, based uh, and had a thoroughly nice time um, taking pictures down there. That little dog you previously saw was sniffing a nuclear bomb. Uh, Luckily, not a live one, but uh, they've got all sorts of exhibits there. Uh, It's a SkyFlash missile and a Jaguar. Beautiful outstation. And (laughs) that's a sweet little picture of uh, uh, the back end of a SkyFlash. So, uh, yeah, I had a a lovely time. The dogs did very well. Because it was a trial, it was um, judged, and uh, the dogs had to find... Sorry. uh well uh I wasn't able to stick around to find uh-huh. out but um there were three different classes and they had different numbers of um scents or hides to find and um spread out around the museum so it was a lovely year. it's a great it's a great uh, place if you ever get to Old Serum uh or in that vicinity and you're looking for something to do really nice people running it it's very hands on you can get into almost all the cockpits and uh have a good look around. Uh, you know, very much very tactile uh, place where you you'd not held miles back by a piece of rope. You sort of in and amongst all the exhibits. It's very good. So that was great. And um I also went uh on to Twit TV uh on Ant Pruitt's show, hands-on photography, uh, and I was um able to chat to him on one of his uh installments of that, so that was great uh hands on photography is part of uh, this week in technology's family of TV shows and of course uh, and is a great uh, supporter of our show he he loves uh, aviation loves listening to the show and of course, with my interest in photography, it was an absolute pleasure to uh, be on his show. I think he's heard Jeff called me a professional so many times he thinks I might be but of course,
4: <laughs> Well, you get but,
6: paid, uh, right? Uh, yeah, but I don't exactly support my family well, uh, on the money I get. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that was uh, that was very good. So, uh, lots of other things going on uh, r- around now. So, um, I'll I'll leave it at that. But they were the main events this week. But I have had a, quite a busy time and uh, lots of pictures to process and lots of uh, plain tasks to, to get up on the website. So I've got more work cut out for me for the next few days too
4: so basically you've been doing nothing <laughs> what a slacker exactly right. a slacker yeah thing. that's why those plain
7: tails are so far behind on the <laughs> website.
4: now to be to exactly. be fair to nick uh i'll kind of like miss one and then miss another one and then after a while nick will send me a nice kind reminder jeff um do you have any are of those plane it? tails ready? <laughs> oh yeah sorry and then I play catch up so I've been trying to keep on top of that as much as possible so um I'm glad that it's uh, there's a, a several of them waiting nicks special work so,
6: absolutely
4: anyway but of course you you can always listen to the plain tale by or plain tales by just listening to our weekly episodes and uh, there's a time code even in the um in the show notes, show notes, and you can click right on that, and or if you're uh, listening to the show with a, a podcast player that uh, utilizes or takes advantage of uh, chapters, you can just click on the that chapter and then listen away. So, Bob's your that uncle. Bob's your uncle, right? Thank you, Liz. Although my uncle's name was is Tom and Dave, but anyway. All right, <laughs> my turn. Um, so sure. Oh wait a minute! Hang on. You know Nick was talking about uh, Liz the um, the meetup uh, over at um, at um,
3: Fair Oaks. Fair Oaks, Fair thank Oaks. you.
4: And uh, Nev, I mean Oops. Nigel, sent us something um, for us to oh, yeah, show that. the overlay there. Um, and yeah, there we go. Captain Nick has not cleaned these toilets for fifty years. <laughs> what a slacker! <laughs> That's what, um, <laughs> Gross. yeah, that's, that's Hillel yeah. now. Uh, I guess Hillel
7: know. was at the meetup. Yeah, in I think he was.
4: Only, <laughs> if you yeah. didn't go to the bathroom, <laughs> you didn't see him.
7: <laughs> you didn't see Hillel. Well,
4: yeah. No, I,
6: I was trying to get in there, but the door was locked. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I can only assume Hillel was doing my job for me and giving it a quick mm. polish.
4: Looks like it. Uh, he's, uh, he's using that, uh, that Lou uh, as a uh, cleaning, um, device apparently. Uh-oh. Yeah. Ooh. So I wouldn't, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't take a bite of that. I don't even think you'd want to, anyway. But scrub. Yeah, very gross. Okay, so there you go. Uh, and so I'm looking at all my notes in my getting to know us uh, segment, and I don't have anything there. Uh, I flew a, did I fly a trip last week? Yeah, I did fly a trip last week. Yeah, three nights. Nice. And um, nice. I just don't really remember much about it, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> It was a
3: memorable You're in, one. Last week you were in Charlotte. Where'd you go? And then oh. you got rerouted oh, out of New Orleans. that's, and up that's to right. That's and
4: right. Thank you, Liz. Yeah, so um, last week my first layover was in Charlotte, and that's where Steph and I uh, were together for the last episode. Um Correct. And then the next day, you know, and I mentioned on the last episode that I think that um, the company hasn't yet figured out that... Um, the flight that I'm supposed to fly out of New Orleans on the third day back to, I think, Detroit uh, is canceled. And then even during the show, remember, the I was using my iPhone as a camera, and yeah. Yeah. then it kind of froze because uh, Acme uh, called to let me know that uh, my – they finally figured it out that uh, something is. like
6: me or in control of your phone.
4: <laughs> yes, they control my phone and so so many other things in my life. Uh, so it turns out that um, they weren't uh, doing, and I think I mentioned also that one of the flight attendants on an earlier flight had mentioned that they don't. She didn't think that uh, anybody was laying over in New Orleans because of the aftermath of the storm, and uh, she was right. Uh, we flew. Uh, from Detroit to New Orleans and then we were supposed to lay over and we were kind of disappointed that we couldn't but I'm not sure if anything would have been open anyway uh, but then we uh, dead headed back to, uh, to Detroit and uh, laid over there and then the next day was super easy because instead of doing two flights we only did one uh, nice, um, got to sleep in a bit and then fly from Detroit to uh, Myrtle Beach and had a nice layover there So that was my trip last week, and then, um, yeah, had some personal hearings and stuff to take care of, and then uh, editing the show and all that uh, pretty much took up all my time. Gladly, though. You know, that's I I enjoy doing that kind of thing, So except for the personal other stuff. Didn't enjoy that, but that's the way it goes. And uh, that's it for me. Here we are. And I'm on a trip now. Uh, I'm in, um, where am I? Madison, Wisconsin. Madison,
3: Wisconsin.
4: And um, it's, Jackson, a, it's a great trip because it's a four-day trip, but the first day today, one flight from Atlanta up here to Madison. Tomorrow, we go back through Atlanta and go to Jackson, Mississippi, and in before noon in Jackson. And then day three, just two legs, Atlanta to Wichita, Oh, I'm glad I'm I'm going through this because Wichita. I'm going to meet up with at least one person, one APG community member, Nick Camacho, uh, and maybe more. I know that we have uh, other listeners in the Wichita area, so somebody needs to remind me to tweet and put out a Facebook post that uh, we're planning on doing something in uh, in Wichita on Thursday. Probably something you know midday for lunch, or maybe a. Early dinner, like late afternoon kind of uh get together somewhere. Um, uh, we lay over downtown. So it'll be in that general area, I would imagine. So yeah. Um Hey we'll, Jeff. Yeah.
7: Don't forget to um post something about Wichita. Oh, about thank about you.
4: Currently. Thank you, Steph. I'd I'd forgotten that.
7: I just wanted to remind you to take thank this you. opportunity I, before I forget,
4: I I completely understand. That's what I do too. Yeah. <laughs> and that is all i have to say i think it's time for
3: that. some coffee fun. it is
4: time for that old coffee fun liz you are correct and if i could only find soundbite here we go and boom johnny how about more coffee no thanks i love coffee i love tea I love the APG community, coffee and tea, and the Java and me, a, a, cup, cup, a, cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Oh, looks like Ray Williams has got to go. Hey, I meant to say hi to you, Ray. He's in our live audience from Down Under. Good to see you, man. Haven't seen you in a while. Anyway, back to the coffee thought. No,
3: no. Ray Williams is not from Downrounder. Ray Williams is Oh, Ray Williams. Oh,
4: Ray Williams. oh heck no. I, I, I was confusing. I was thinking of Ray Davis. Yes. Ray Williams is uh, a neighbor of mine to the north in Alpharetta. Well, now he's to the south. Or
3: to the south. <laughs> no,
4: yeah. Anyway, I better hurry up because I'm running out of music here. Um, Coffee Fund, your way to support the show financially. We have a couple of ways to do it. One is the Coffee Fund Classic Method. Since the last show, Wigner, um, we think, is from Finland. Uh, he hasn't wrote in to tell us one way or another if that's true. Anyway, he used the Coffee Fund Classic method. Uh, The other way to be part of the Coffee Fund cadre or the Coffee Bar Club is to uh, become a patron at Patreon. And we have a new producer, yay! Ryan Donahue, signed up to be a patron. So thank you very much for that. And if you're interested in joining these fine folks and uh, supporting the show financially, head over to AirlinePilotGuy.com slash coffee. You'll be glad you did, but we'll be gladder. I know that's not a word. Gladder. Yeah, bladder gladder. Captain, incoming message. Feedback time. Feedback. <laughs> Feedback. That's I'd what say we just that, but I'm doing chewing
7: a bunch of pub mix. <laughs> yeah. Feedback. Live.
6: Hey, it's a good
4: idea. What, uh, what, what is it that you... Um... Timely feedback. Timely, timely feedback. Timely feedback. <laughs> timely feedback.
7: <laughs> so, Jeff, just FYI. Mm. Yes, ma'am. Those... <laughs> You're almost at the one hour mark. About five minutes to one hour.
6: Uh, okay. okay. Uh-huh. I bet we don't get invited.
7: Well, the invite's on your website. Oh. Yeah. They haven't sent it to us personally, but...
4: Well, yeah, I didn't get a, a special engraved invitation. But you didn't get a
7: special invite? No,
4: of course not. Hey, why would I? Our <laughs>
7: hag. we're waiting on our special engraved invitation. Otherwise, we're to come.
4: Right. And, well, you know why? It's because we're not the best podcast of all time. <laughs> that's why. So
7: oh, we're very we don't fear. invite down. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. That would be below them, beneath them to invite us. Exactly.
7: Mm-hmm. But
4: we might just show up anyway. We're
7: well, in the tower, so everybody's beneath them.
4: So there. That's we true. We do know
7: how to crash party.
4: Yes, we do. We've done it many times. Done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we should probably <laughs> move on right to the feedback. Oh, and I guess our first piece of feedback no, wait a minute. You've already done the uh, fair Oaks, uh meetup. Um, oh, no, no. there's no. He's oh, there's more. Video here. Oh, yeah. okay. And this is so,
7: where he has the audience. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. the plane. Down.
4: Okay, Nick. There's more. Looks like you got something else to share with us.
6: Uh, not me, but everybody else has.
9: Well, a couple of years, too much. I'm still seriously retired, um, but uh, just popped down to London for the weekend, and it was a good opportunity to come over to see Nick in working. Actually, Nick and I sort of used to come from not far away here and met our wives in this direction, so yeah, it's quite nice to be back in this neck of the woods. Still waiting for something to fly, though, apart from the helicopter. Stone in the UK, I'm not too interested in getting in a little aluminium tube with people that I don't know where they've come from. And so I'm just waiting not normally known for my patience, but I'm just waiting for everything to die down a bit. Of course, what I want to do is get back to Indonesia, but um no uh, hope of that at the moment. So I'd have to go via Hong Kong and quarantine and what have you. So and I can't even they uh, the Indonesians won't allow me in anyway i wouldn't allow you in either it's not just me yeah 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 so no not uh, aiming to go anywhere but sort of keeping in touch with this nice to meet some new people and uh what have you and uh, have a chuckle at some of the apg people yeah it's good it's good yeah nice day out okay.
11: so i'm talking to simon at the moment hi simon hi how's it going yeah very well thank you very much indeed for coming down to see us all today pleasure uh now you're not exactly local are you but there's a little bit of a story I'm in Lincolnshire
0: at the moment, but my parents live about five minutes from here. And I was down here uh, visiting my father anyway. And uh, it just so happened that the timings worked out perfectly. When Nick talked about the meetup, I realised that I was in the area at the exact time. And so, uh, yeah,
11: so here I am. Oh, how perfect. Now, give us the story about your sort of uh, previous military flying career. What were
0: you Sure. So I I did about 22 years in the Navy. I flew the Harrier uh, GR7, GR9, not the Sea Harrier. Uh, and then I did an exchange tour flying the F-18 with the US Navy, uh, came back to the UK, and then I left the Navy last year to join the airlines. And I got into an airline, and I was just about to start. And then unfortunately, as COVID hit, the first people who, who, who got released were the people who hadn't even started, and I was, I was one of those guys. So unfortunately, I, I lost my job before I even started it.
11: And what's the prospect of restarting that, do you think?
0: It's, I think it's tricky to see. It. It, it, so international travel is the, is the real key to this at the moment. And I, I, I realistically, I think 2022 will be a recovery year uh, where the pilots who got made redundant and who have already had their training will be re-recruited. And I think people like me who hadn't even started are probably looking at 23, 24. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, I, and I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I just think what's going to happen is they'll take the pilots who are already type rated get those guys through before they start for the likes.
11: this industry does have a habit doesn't it of going from boom to bust one minute we've got too many flight deck crew the next minute we haven't got enough it'd be nice to sort of even it out at some point yeah
0: it will be and i think if you look at the us at the moment they went for a period where this time last year they were furloughing all their pilots and now they're, they're really short of pilots it's a massive hiring spree and i think that the airlines in europe are probably coming in for a perfect storm because come 23 24 when that demand comes back again you're going to have had all these retirements that have already happened you're not going to have recruited anyone for a while i think they i think the demand will come back but I think it's probably a couple of years away. Yeah, I
11: wonder if some pilots, uh, especially some of the senior captains, have taken early retirement as well. And that's actually left more of a hole than the airlines were expecting. It is this,
0: I think there is this perfect storm that's coming up. There's going to be a huge demand for it. The challenge is when, when is that going to be? And I, I, I just, as I said, I think 22 will probably be a recovery year. I don't see much until 23, 24. But I also really hope I'm wrong. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out.
11: Well, the appetite for flying has never been greater as far as the public's concerned. Yeah, that, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, the more crew we can get back uh, operationally, uh, the better. I guess the limiting factor probably is simulator time as well. Yeah,
0: it's, it's a couple of things. It's simulator time. The other the other challenge you've got at the moment is line training. So when you become an airline pilot, you typically need to do 20, 25 trips on the line. If the airlines aren't flying very much at all, trying to do line training is really, really challenging because if you're not flying a full schedule, you can't do the line training. So it's it's the whole combination of the availability of simulators and the availability of line training. But I, I do think that it's just, uh, yeah, we just need to sort of wait a little bit to see what's happening, but I think it will come back. in about a year
11: it has to doesn't it i think we're all all desperate for it i think so i think uh, you know you talk
0: to people and they want to go away they want to go on holiday i think the demand is there you you know some people go like oh i don't want to fly I, i i really think that the demand will come back and it will come back really strong and then the challenge will be like you said desperately trying to get you know guys and girls
11: onto the flight deck who are who are trained and qualified yeah well it's great to see you simon thanks ever so much for coming down yeah thanks very much cheers well, here we are with Mr. Spink. Hi, Nev. How are morning you? Morning to you. Yes. Good morning. Excellent. Thanks very much for coming down. First no, of all. no, it's good. I've never been here, so uh, this is an excuse to see what Ferrex has to offer. Yeah, and the, the cloud base is lifting a little bit, so yep. there's yeah, a sign of people committing aviation, mm-hmm. which is a good thing, isn't it? So, how's work going, then? What's what's happening there?
12: Yes, yeah, it's, um, it's picking up. Um, I think last weekend we were up to about 750 flights a day, so just over half of what our normal pre-COVID traffic levels were, um, but you know most of the listeners might be aware I'm mainly office based, so um, I'm still doing four or five days a month in, in the tower talking to aeroplanes, um, but uh, but very busy in the office uh, trying to take the opportunity of the reduced traffic levels to try and introduce new equipment. Um, Slightly more straightforward doing that when it's a bit quieter. Yeah, uh, it's
11: been challenging um, operating at a lower level, and by that I mean less traffic. Is that actually quite difficult? Yes, it, it can be. Um, certainly
12: before Covid at Heathrow, you know, the traffic was very busy all the time. So that's what we were used to. As soon as the traffic died off, um, from a human factors point of view, um, under arousal um, is, a, is a problem. Uh, that's what she said um and uh so so when when your brain is used to operating at that very high level all the time as soon as that dies off um you need to be very careful that you're still doing all the all the basic stuff that you would do i mean i was up there middle of last year i maybe only talked to one or two aeroplanes an hour in an hour's session of sat in position whereas you know before then i would speak to 40 50 60 aircraft um so it's very easy to get distracted by other things or just chatting to people because you have time to chat now um so it's something we're very aware of and and again now that we're used to the quiet when the traffic starts to build up we need to try and rebuild those skills that have atrophied over over the over the months
11: and are they back up to using both runways now
12: yes yeah we're using both runways we have been for a few months now um i think it was late july i think early august when we reopened or went to a dual runway operation um, but a lot of the time we still only have one controller working both runways uh, whereas before covid we'd have one runway would be uh, controlled by by one controller yeah gotcha mm.
11: Mm. well that's great adam thank you very much okay. indeed for coming down good to see you chat, and you yeah, yeah, no yeah cheers, Thanks. cheers.
10: So, Neil, great to see you again. Very good to see you again, Deb.
11: Thanks very much indeed for coming. So, it's quite a journey for you,
10: isn't it? A it's a couple of hours, yeah. 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 You have to brave the n 25 but yeah. nobody glued themselves to yeah. it today, so... <laughs> that's right. We're doing all right. No incidents. No. No.
3: Um,
10: what about the stuff that you
11: were doing at Bronting for? What's the
9: there?
10: Uh, well, unfortunately, that's uh, all come to a close now. Um, most of the... Aircraft storage area was, was sold off. Uh, it was more than likely just cars now. Uh, a few things stayed a lot of things left. Um, sadly for us, the guppy was chopped. Uh, part of it is still in St. Athens now, so you will be able to go and see that uh, if you want to. Um, you know, very bittersweet for us, to be honest. Um, a lot of good times in there over the years uh, at least there's still some around you can still see some um and NASA will probably be keeping theirs going for years and years so that's still there for everybody as well and what
11: about years. flying for you have you been anywhere at all this year?
10: I have not been inside a plane for as long as I can remember uh, too long yeah it's I'm um, I'm itching to get back somewhere um Need to get the passport renewed again. Uh, you know, we've had a big standby, haven't we, for, for a long while now. So, probably next year. I think we'll be back to Lanzarote next year, I think. So, it'll be nice. Looking forward to it.
13: Hi, Graham. Good to see you. It's nice to see you again, though. It's certainly been 18 months or so. It it's has, hasn't a bit it? Longer. Yeah. I can't remember the last time we. Into UK uh, <sighs> April, I guess. It probably Which was, was not it? Ago. Yeah.
11: Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Anyway, so you back in employment?
13: Now. I am. I, I technically never left i yeah. just moved locations somewhat so now at a fairly small airport in hampshire yeah um rather than at heathrow but oh great a bit different valid as a tower controller at last so that's been oh that's super uh, four perfect. years coming in the end but certainly nice to have it out of the way
11: yeah and was that journey pretty
13: challenging at, at times would you say uh, a little bit mostly well certainly at heathrow it was definitely challenging um and then just trying to stay positive for the six months where I wasn't sure what was happening was uh, difficult. But yeah, yeah, it was nice to start somewhere fresh and get on with things fairly quickly. It's been a bit difficult getting enough traffic to keep training with, but Mm. we managed just about. And obviously, it couldn't be more
11: different, you know, where you are now compared to where you were. It's Um, fairly different, yeah. How different is that, you know, going from a a full-on big
13: operation Um, that Heathrow took to where you are now? Very different. But if anything, that made the transition quite easy because you accept that what experience you have doesn't match up with what you're about to do so it's very easy just to go right i'm just going to forget everything i know and listen to what people are saying yeah and we'll go with that but actually there's quite a lot of similarity it's airplanes in the sky at the end of the day they tend to move forwards not always especially with what i work with now just, just try to keep them um, apart uh, yes yeah. Yeah. ideally if you can see both yeah and you can see they're not going to hit each other yeah That'll and do. are you seeing an increase in, in traffic now? As uh, well? So, COVID has naturally affected us um, with the unique way the operation works with where I am. I won't say where it is, but I'm sure people can take some guess that it's probably not civilian. Um, so, COVID hasn't had much effect, it's just been aircraft serviceability and upgrades that we're lacking in serviceable aircraft at the minute, yeah. or aircraft in general. Um, and challenges all over the globe, I think, with serviceable aircraft. As soon as they fix one in the hangar, it tends to disappear somewhere else. Um, and uh, most people probably know, um, crop tutors have had issues recently, so they uh, were out of action for six months, I think, pretty mm. much, while they were being fixed away. So now we've and got those back it's quite for you up- having now trip.
11: qualified in the position you're in is that a continuous learning process for you is there Always. constant yeah.
13: uh, re-examination every day, is there a, every day you'll find a different situation um, and yeah we've got an annual assessment as well as quarterly uh, updates and then I still need to train on radar at some point um, which is probably a year or so away anyway but I'm sure we'll get there at some point point. Yeah, and, and are you enjoying home? it that's the main yes. thing very much so. Uh, it was nice to have a fresh start and just get on and finally achieve validation, which was what I'd been after for yeah, it was four years in the end. Yeah. So it's, certainly it's, a while coming.
11: It's quite a journey, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm so delighted for you as well. Really thank pleased you. for you. Yeah, thank you.
13: And thanks for coming down today. It's quite all right. It's not too far. It certainly used to be a local haunt. Breakfasts good, so Excellent. always enjoyable to come back.
6: Good to see you. Thanks.
4: Cheers. That was lovely.
6: Well, that was absolutely brilliant it was that was, was, and Graham, H- that was Graham Haley right there at again. the end
4: um I don't think he was Correct. absolutely introduced
6: yeah. yeah yeah so in addition to those characters we uh had uh, a scientist from the Royal Aircraft Establishment come uh and visit us uh and a spacecraft uh operator spacecraft um controller was there as well the man who uh built um in Marsat's most of Inmarsat's Marsat's ground stations so hmm. uh uh, there were some really interesting uh, people uh, came along, so it was absolutely brilliant, as well as some old friends and favorites.
4: Um, and just in case, if you're listening to the audio podcast only, uh, well, even if you're watching the video, you, you won't know either, but um, some of the folks that were interviewed there, um, Nick, were um, Adam Spink, who, um, uh, let me see, let me get the exact quote, under arousal can be a problem. Um, <laughs> that sounds. I don't know what that has to do with aviation and controlling. It sounds more like a personal problem. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, For Adam, let's see. Uh, who else was there? We had um, Simon, uh, uh, Simon. Nigel, Captain Nigel. Yeah, yeah. Nigel and Simon uh, from the Navy. Yeah, uh, and uh, Neil, Neil Landmorm was there. So uh, uh, yeah. he's a he's um, uh, in our live audience quite often I don't know if he's with us today' Not tonight,
6: I try right. our right. friend big Dave uh, he was uh, hanging around he didn't get to get in front of the camera but uh, mm-hmm. he had been there as well so that was great man I'm, I really
4: I yeah, wish I thought turn out yeah I had a chance to go over there and and uh, join the gang that looks like a lot of fun ah,
6: you'd have enjoyed it the uh, all day breakfast was really good mm. Mm. that is
7: English yeah. breakfast.
6: Ah oh, uh, yep. Breakfast. They called it the yeah, hanger yeah. breakfast. So uh, uh yeah, he certainly hung on a while <laughs> for days.
4: <laughs> 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 yeah, reminding me again. Exactly. Um, yeah. All right. Well, you know, it's really too bad that um I think that probably the best thing that happened there that Saturday was the the impromptu no, not impromptu, but the live plain Tales. too bad that we uh you know didn't get a chance to uh experience that
6: yeah how sad uh you're gonna be inflicted soon <laughs> okay good yeah
7: he was trying Me to get too. out of it there you see nick <laughs> yeah he was yeah. he <laughs> thought he, he dodged
4: a bullet no nope, no such no he is not Staff, put that back in the uh lineup <laughs> 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 all right uh anyway looks like y'all had a great uh time great meetup um, let's try to, uh, six, six. let's go to six. Uh, oh, this is feedback from, uh, well, I'm going to play this audio feedback and I think you'll recognize who this is from.
5: <laughs> Hello, APG community. You recognize this voice been a while. I, uh, haven't uh, said a whole lot lately because well, I've been out here traveling the world, seeing some of our favorite APG folks. And I've uh, been enjoying uh, life on the 737. and you know, really good quality of life with uh, real good control of my schedule. So I've had some uh, real good opportunities to meet up. And speaking of meeting up, I've had the opportunity to come out here to San Francisco yet once again. And this time I have the delightful pleasure of having dinner in a meet-up and, uh, meet and uh, spending some really good quality time with Tim Van Ram. I want to go ahead and give him an opportunity to say hello, so here he is. Hi everybody, I wish I could be darn near as eloquent as Dana, but um, it's a thrill to meet up with Dana, I'm glad he reached out to me. We had a wonderful dinner downtown in North Beach at Original Joe's, and lovely time spending time together and talking about what's up. So now just giving him a quick tour of the city, and then he's off to bed and I'm off to home. Cheers to you all. Well, hope everybody's doing well in the community. And uh, yes, Tim said, uh, wonderful dinner, Italian food, spectacular Italian food. You know me; I'm a foodie. Really good, classic old restaurant uh, with really good food. Great day in the San Francisco area. I must admit, I had an, a unique opportunity for anybody that's familiar with the San Francisco area. When I flew in today to come in from the north side, which I had never done before, on a perfectly clear day. When I say clear in a million, I mean clear in a million. You probably could see uh, probably close to 100 miles, I would say, at altitude. It was just absolutely spectacular. Anyways, hope everybody's doing well. And I'm going to say goodbye for now. APG, First Officer Dana, out.
4: On a clear day.
7: Uh, it certainly well, looks I've clear in the picture there.
4: You. It's a great picture, beautiful isn't picture it? Picture of the yeah, yeah Golden Gate Bridge. And yeah, beautiful, uh, beautifully framed picture of uh, mm-hmm. Dana and Tim Van Ram. Mm-hmm. And if you're watching the uh, podcast or listening to the podcast on the uh, what do we call those things again? Channel and no, chapter markers. Uh,
7: oh, chapter markers. Yeah, available It'll, to it you. It pop up with
4: the picture. You'll be looking so, at the those so look, uh, two guys. Now. Yeah, look right now open your phone just for a second okay. if you're driving just look down quickly and then look back on the at the road mm-hmm. there you go all right all right on the cops bang both <laughs> hands on the wheel and all that <laughs> Um, terrible, Nick. What did, you, of what did you say? What you
7: say? Nick said bang.
4: Oh, whoops, <laughs> crash. I don't. Uh, do we have some kind of a disclaimer on this uh, somewhere <laughs> that uh, we're not responsible? Sadly, no. if, uh, yeah, we're not <laughs> responsible for anything that <laughs> yeah, you, you're
6: supposed to say that before you tell him not to look at the uh, right Oh,
4: darn it. Oh,
3: well, <laughs> anyway.
4: So, I'm glad uh, Dana and Tim uh, got a chance to uh, get together there, and um, Dana also sent us some, um, feedback slash news. And he said, uh, I thought you, it might be interesting for you all to cover on the show. And of course he is talking about something that happened not in the San Francisco area, but down in the Los Angeles area in Southern California, uh, just outside the in and out burger, uh, on the final four. What is that? Two, four, right? I believe. Is that right? Yeah, sure. I think so. I don't know. It's the um,
7: right side runway that's kind of yeah. east west. Yeah. Anyway, uh,
4: the um, Cranky Flyer, uh, Brett Snyder of the Clanky, Clanky, <laughs> <Cranky>. <laughs> that's cranky. a different one. Cranky Flyer blog um, hosts this event at least once a year, or is it twice now uh, that he does this? But at least once a year um, called Dork Fest or Cranky Dork Fest. And um, this is a, a link from the uh, Wall Street Journal. Fast food joint is famous among plane spotters as one of the best places to watch aircraft zoom by overhead. On the ground, there isn't much to see along the strip of Sepulveda Boulevard. That's home to airport parking, a 7-Eleven convenience store, a tattoo parlor. That might be interesting. And a smattering of other businesses. In the air, it's another matter. Planes from all around the world fly low as they make their final approach to LAX, a diversity of aircraft that few other U.S. airports can match. According to Phil Derner, uh, a California-based regional representative for the National Business Aviation Association, he said the strip of grass adjacent to the in and out is one of his favorite places on Earth. And uh, anyway, so it goes on to explain and cover the, uh, the event um and i was thinking to myself reading this i know somebody in our community um and uh, associated with very large uh, donkey fans yes big ass fan greg peterson uh i don't know how many times he's been out there but i know that uh, this year was at least his second time he's probably been out there more times than that but he attended and i asked him if he could uh record some audio for us and tell us about the event, the uh, Cranky Dork Fest out at LAX at the uh, right across from the In-N-Out Burger. And so now I'm going to attempt something that might be a little difficult. I'm going to play his audio feedback, and then I'm going to play some video to go along with it. So let me uh, set up the video first just to be sure that I'm going to get that uh, playing at the proper point. And so here we go. And there we have it. And now I'm going to play his audio. Take it away,
8: Greg. Hey, APG listeners and crew. It's your big-ass fan, Greg Peterson, here with a little audio feedback from DorkFest 2021 at LAX. For those of you that may not be familiar with DorkFest, it's an annual event sponsored by Cranky Flyer, a.k.a. Brett Snyder. The event is held in a little park across the street from the In-N-Out Burger next to Los Angeles International Airport and right under the final approach to Runway 24 right. Most aircraft are at about 300 feet as they cross the park. The event is an excuse for geeks and aviation fans to get together and watch airplanes and talk shop. It also involves raffles, and an occasional airline CEO has been known to stop by and hand out hamburgers. In past years, there have been airside ramp tours at LAX and other fun little excursions to take part in. Sadly, this year, there was none of that due to some kind of worldwide pandemic. They did try to schedule a tour of Avello's Burbank operation, but at the last minute, the Burbank airport put the kibosh on it because they didn't want Avello's planes taking up gate space when they weren't performing flights. I was there last year because some friends of mine invited me along since they had already booked the hotels and flights. But the official event was canceled due to the aforementioned pandemic. So this was my first official dork fest. Last year, I took the most direct route I could, Lexington to Atlanta to LAX. But this year, I took advantage of some airline credits I had and took a more circuitous route just so I could fly on a plane I've never flown on. I went from Lexington to Charlotte to Newark and then to LAX. The flight from Newark to LAX was on a 787-10, so now I've checked the 787 off my list of airplanes. Coming home, I did the LAX-Atlanta-Lexington route. We stayed at the H Hotel, which is a 12-story hotel situated between the north and south runway complexes at LAX. The best part about this hotel is that it has a roof deck where you can watch the planes take off and land. We spent Friday and Saturday afternoon plane spotting from the roof deck and then went to the official Dorkfest event on Saturday morning. Flight traffic was up considerably from this time last year and we were able to see at least one A380, an Emirates flight from Dubai, landing during daylight and Lufthansa is using their 747-8 on their Frankfurt to LAX route. And Saturday's arrival was a special treat because it was their retro livery. Right now, there is still a lot of cargo traffic from the Far East, but pa- passenger traffic from the Far East and Europe is starting to return. We were treated to more than a few go arounds over the course of the weekend due to the increased traffic and some rustiness on traffic spacing. At least that was my take. After all, I just designed fans for a living. I'm not a pilot or an air traffic controller. At the Dorkfest event itself, there were about 300 people in attendance. Most were wearing masks, but it was an outdoor event, so masks were optional but encouraged. The raffles included gift cards from SpaceX and Delta, airline tickets from Alaska, JetBlue, Spirit, and Avello, subscriptions to Flight Radar 24 and models from Southwest, which provided a really nice rare 727 model, United, Delta, Spirit, Boeing, and Northwest. Yes, I know Northwest doesn't exist anymore, but some kind of individual provided a model anyway. Everyone genuinely seemed happy to see everyone else. I think being, being cooped up in our bunkers for the last 18 months had everyone itching to get out and socialize, in a COVID-safe manner, of course. I got in-person interaction with some friends that I had made virtually over the last year an American Airlines flight attendant, a British Airways flight attendant, and some spotters that I started following on Instagram and Twitter. I even met a TV executive from a major network that just likes looking at airplanes. I'm already looking forward to next year. Maybe by then, we'll be back to normal, whatever that is, and they'll be able to do the little extras that they weren't able to do this year. If you're able, I highly recommend making the pilgrimage to the In-N-Out Burger next to Los Angeles International Airport, and hanging out with the rest of us dorks at Dorkfest 2022 next September. Until then, blue skies, tailwinds, and smooth landings. Good day. He's such a dork.
4: <laughs> yeah, but then because we're not <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, do you want me to take that picture? Oh, there we go. thanks. Yeah. So. You know, I just realized he said something, and this is the second time I've listened to this audio from Greg, and and I guess I have to, first of all, correct myself. I guess this is officially his first time at the Dork Fest, but he did go last year, even though it wasn't an official uh, gathering. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, the thing that he said, I don't know if you guys caught it, he said a very rare Southwest 727, and I went, Mm -hmm. say what? Yep. They a,
7: operated them between seventy eight and eighty five.
4: Okay. Oh, so, um, wow. yeah. Or um, the one uh, that uh, the article that the I'm released. reading it says seventy nine and uh, between seventy nine and eighty, they operated one Boeing seven twenty seven on lease from Braniff as part of an antitrust uh, uh, settlement. Oh, then uh, they gave the seven twenty seven program another run from eighty three through eighty five, mm-hmm. using aircraft lease from People Express. Mm-hmm. They uh, operated six during that time frame. I had no, I don't rem- recall that at all. I just thought Southwest always operated just the 737 nope. fleet.
7: Pre-period 727s,
4: but yeah, cool. and only a few of them. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you, Greg, for taking the time to record that for us and uh, taking that video. And I put all that, he gave me several little several snippets of video and i put it all together there so if you're watching the video uh version of the show then you can watch the airplanes uh, on that uh flight path right over the top of the uh, in and out burger so,
6: great spot isn't it some lovely shots yep you know we're yeah, gonna have to do that right overhead at some point right i think that'd be fantastic yeah. have you been there no
7: no Oh, no, wonderful. I've
6: landed on uh, 24 far right. right plenty of times. So I must have gone over it heaps of times. But, oh yeah!
7: Uh, and there's certainly people sitting there just taking pictures and video.
6: Yeah, usually time. I'm I'm just like sweating because we're about to land. But
7: the few times recently I've had a, a <laughs> short layover Everybody at LAX, it's been <laughs> enough time for me to actually leave the airport. It's about a thirty minute walk from the terminal if you walk okay. over there. Um, ah. But if you've got three hours, it's plenty of time. Go over, have a burger.
6: Yeah, and uh, your... they're supposed to be really nice burgers. Yeah, they are. They are,
7: are burgers. Excellent. One of my
4: favorite. Fresh cow meat. Oh. Yum. Okay, mm-hmm. let's try and get number mm-hmm. ten at least. Mm-hmm. No, they're delicious. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you think we have time for that before we do the plain tail, Liz? Yeah. Okay. 10, ten, and then
3: we'll go to the plain tail.
4: Very good. Well, I on I believe it was the last episode. I talked about the. A brief meetup that I had with uh, JJ from Asheville, uh, Jordan. And he wrote back and says, hello, Captain Jeff, Liz, Dr. Steph, Captain Nick, and Captain Rick. Hope you're all doing well. Jeff, it was an absolute pleasure to meet you last week. Right? Um, You were right. Mist Apex is a fantastic F1 resource. That's I'm now, uh, after all the goading from most of you listening to the show, and and disparaging NASCAR and telling me that I should check out Formula One, and I did. At first, I thought, "Eh, that's no big deal." But now I'm a huge Formula One fan, and I told him about my favorite podcast, which is called Missed Apex, and um, and they do a, a very similar to what we're doing. You know, we, they do a video, live video, uh, and but they also put it out as a uh, audio podcast. So if you're uh, into Formula One, I highly recommend *Missed Apex, and I recommended it to Jordan because he's also a, an F1 fan. Anyway, uh, when we met up, I mentioned to you, this is Jordan speaking again, when, I, when we met up, I mentioned to you that I was hoping to hear back from Acme Brickyard regarding a flight attendant position. Well, that Friday, I got a call, and I am now a proud flight attendant trainee, Yay. Oh, mm-hmm. I need to get the yeah, you follow well, up. Really applause. Here's applause. me Nice job, Jordan. I fly out to Indianapolis on Sunday the 26th to, uh, that was just a couple days ago, to start my initial training and simply cannot wait. If you all would be interested, I'd love to give some audio feedback huh. each week Absolutely. covering the broad yeah. strokes of the past week's training. If not, I totally understand. What do you think? Uh, a show of hands? Mm, yeah? Yeah. yeah.
3: Yes. Okay. Thumbs up then. All right, You're Steph,
4: nervous. stop that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> of course we want to hear about this, Jordan. Please yeah. send us feedback. That's awesome. So congratulations, Jordan. Um, and he uh, signs off by saying thank you all for continuously encouraging and inspiring your listeners to p- pursue their aviation dreams. Tailwinds, blue skies, and hopefully see you in the skies. Flight Attendant Trainee Jordan, formerly JJ from... AVL or Asheville, he said. P.S. The name change felt right.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: Good, just go Thanks with it look. then. I like it. Yeah, that's so great. That's very exciting, and I really uh, uh, enjoy getting know, up on
6: that. How do you how do you abbreviate flight attendant
4: trainee? <laughs> 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 um, the same way that you would uh, say that you're flying to Fresno Air Terminal,
3: mm-hmm.
7: <laughs> okay, or if you yeah. are not particularly slender.
4: Oh, oh, you know, I didn't uh, even I'm sure.
6: I didn't even think of that
4: <laughs> stuff.
6: I'm sure Jordan's very slender.
4: Oh, he is a, he is a he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a svelte, I'd say.
6: Yeah. So I. I
3: love
4: that word. Svelte. Anyway. So, that
7: makes it all the better actually. Perfect really timing for the
4: plane tail now. <laughs> Perfect timing, I'm hearing from the control room. Perfect timing for the plain tail. And so this week I'm going to shift control to that honor to the old pilot himself, go ahead and introduce this and do whatever you need to do for us to hear um, the, uh, the plain tail, sir. So, bit of a one-off this week. This is a video plain tale. There will be
6: an audio version, which I've already done for Jeff, uh, that'll be on the podcast if you're listening. But here we go. Here, If you want to see it all in video, here we go. And I have to push this button here. the old pilot's plane tales, where it all began. Right, thanks everybody for coming. At first glance, it seems a little bit limited for a venue, but this place holds great memories for me. First of all, a bit about APG. It's a community that has grown out of Captain Jeff's very strong wish to bring us all, whether an enthusiast or a plane spotter, a flight sim pilot, or a GA pilot, or even an esteemed airliner captain, uh, all together in a mutual love of uh, all things that fly, even balloons. Your presence here is a a tangible indication of uh, his continued success, and I trust you all feel part of the podcast, technical difficulties and 50% accuracy notwithstanding. Before I uh, start, I want to thank the fine folks here at Fair Oaks Airport, the Hangar Cafe, uh, which I am sure if you haven't already, you'll uh, partake of, and uh, especially Fair Oaks Flight Centre, and introduce to you Grace, who is going to tell us a bit about Synergy Aviation. Now, Grace is doing the job that I took on my very first aviation gig nearly half a century ago in this very building beside me. I can't believe it's still standing. Uh, But at least she doesn't have to clean out the toilets or wash the aeroplanes like uh, I had to. She's working on her PPL with ambitions of becoming a commercial pilot, and I'm sure we all wish her well. Grace, perhaps you'd like to say a few words.
14: So, I'm lucky enough to work at Synergy Flight Centre, which is not only somewhere that I love to work because I love aviation, but it's also a family business. My dad set up Synergy when I was actually, it was before I was born, I think, a few months before. So, it's 18 years old now, and as you can see, it's thriving very well. And we actually have a flight centre down in Jersey as well now, which has been set up recently. Um, and actually, one of the aircraft here, I believe, is going down in a couple of months. And it's just Ferrex is a great place. Although, as it's been said, it may look a little bit rugged sometimes. There's not been, you know, there's bits of paintwork missing. But the community here is brilliant. Like even in the flight center. Okay, it's for exams, it's for briefings before you go flying. But actually, I've made friends here since I started, and I've seen many other people make friends. It's great for connections and business and anything in that kind of sense. And it's it's just a great place to be, which is really nice. We have some brilliant instructors who I know that our students would agree with. um, And they put in a lot of extra time and effort, which is really lovely to see. There's no way other I can put it than I love this place. Like I will spend my weekends here even when I'm not working. Hopefully, my dad is over there with my little sister. Hopefully one day she'll be into it as well. And then we can have three generations around. Um, But it's even great for me learning to fly. I get to see um, my dad as well because um, he's an instructor here. He actually instructed here before it was Synergy Flight Centre and getting to have my dad teach me to fly is something quite special. And I can't lie, having him as a pilot and growing up with him around has definitely been a big inspiration of what I want to do. Not just because of that, but he introduced me to the love of aviation and aircraft. And I can say some of my fondest memories are actually around aircraft with dad. And it's just, you know, they're not memories you get to create with most people and I'm lucky enough to be able to do that. Before I had one friend come, we had a competition day uh, a couple of months ago in July um, with spot landings and time circuit. You had to meet a circuit. Don't worry, it wasn't the fastest circuit. It was all safe. <laughs> um, and people who don't like aviation just like the airfield because it is a nice place to be, which is really lovely. It is just a lovely place to be. I don't know if there's anything else you want me to say. That's
6: fantastic. Thanks, Grace. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> One thing uh, we try and do in all our podcasts is to encourage people from outside of the norm that we might imagine airline pilots be you know white middle-aged men um we like to see young ladies who have a real interest in aviation it's absolutely fantastic so well done grace and uh, good luck with your career i hope it goes as smoothly as mine did talking of my career uh I started here uh, on the 17th of July, 1973, and I was 19 years old. So a little younger than Grace, perhaps, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd won an RAF scholarship to go flying. They were going to pay for 30 hours of tuition, and the school they sent me to was then called Fair Oaks School of Flying, but this was the spot. I really lapped it up. I was already fantastically keen on getting an aviation career, and this seemed to be an ideal starting point. Uh, After only seven hours, 35 minutes, Mike Spear, the uh, very brave chief flying instructor, got out and left me to uh, fly the little Cessna 150 AeroBat all on my own. And shortly after, uh, another in our merry band of cadets went solo, Uh, but sadly his flight didn't end quite as well as mine had, when he got into a bit of a pilot-induced oscillation on his first landing. And uh, before he knew it, he'd managed to fold the nose wheel. Uh, The (laughs) the nose wheel on the Cessna 150 wasn't meant to fold, but he managed it. And with a bit of a bent prop and a lot of grass flying around, he ground to a halt in the middle of the runway. There you go. He went on and passed the course, so well done to him. All was going well until uh, about 11 days after we started. Uh, The word came round that a Cessna cardinal with a retractable undercarriage had hit his gear on a dry stone wall, getting airborne out of an airfield or a rough strip in Ireland. As the story goes, uh, the poor pilot left the parking brake on and full power roared off across the grass. It was wet enough to let him roll, as it were, but he never really got to flying speed. Uh, he hit the brick stone wall at the end, which wrecked the gear, but he carried on, got airborne, and then with his undercarriage dangling like two limp puppet's legs, he decided that he was going to bring it all the way back here to Fair because that's where he got it from, I'm assuming. Anyway, yet plenty of notice. By the time that he arrived in the circuit, all the, the airfield had basically been shut. There were pile of fire engines here, at least three of those enormous tenders, and more ambulances than he had passengers on board. So the place was well prepared. He came in on the main runway, grass in those days, nowadays it's uh, been tarmacked over, and did the most beautiful job. He uh, shut the engine down at about 50 feet, glided in Plopped it down on the runway. The gear just gently collapsed into the wheel wells, any ground to a halt, smack in the middle of the runway. We were all standing around a, one of the aircraft. We turned the radio on listening to what was going on and we thought that was marvellous. So on that big high, we all walked away and someone on the main runway, air traffic, were saying, well, the crosswind runway is available, 3-3 in those days, uh, which, you know, up that end of the airfield. And an aircraft with an assistant instructor on board a condor Uh, i don't know if you've ever seen one of those low wing uh, wooden canvas wonder with a sadly a passenger who was taking his very first 30 minute uh, experience flight on board they uh, lined up on 33 even though he had a radio the chap was going on a non-radio flight wasn't talking to uh, air traffic here and uh, he had one go at getting airborne and decided that he wasn't quite going to make it, so he stopped, taxied back down to the full length, put his flaps down this time and had another go. Now very sadly, he got to the ridge line that is just off the end of that old runway, and there were some 50 foot tall trees there. And trying to stagger over the trees, he didn't quite make it. He installed the aircraft, it flipped onto its back and disappeared behind the trees. The first that I knew of it, we'd just been walking away really from the flight line, was uh, the old klaxon going off at the tower. And when just an hour or two earlier, we'd had more emergency facilities you could shake a stick at. Now there was just the old red Land Rover with a big old barrel of foam on the back. And the friend of mine, the refueler, um, hanging on to it for dear life as they drove off the airfield to try and see if they could help. All us cadets, we ran over there. But when we got there, there was nothing we could do. There was just a big patch of burnt grass. The aircraft didn't even look like an aeroplane anymore. It was just charred framework. Uh, And sadly, the pilot had been killed and the passenger had been thrown clear of the wreckage, but he died in hospital afterwards. Something of a shocking sight for us because of all the fire and the uh, remnants thereafter. Um, But... The chief flying instructor, Mike, did, uh, I think, a very clever thing. He got us all together, having uh, seen all this, and said, right, uh, I'm going to put you in the aeroplane and we're all going to fly a 10-minute flight. A bit like getting back on the horse after you've been thrown. And we all did a couple of circuits and, uh, you know, got out of our system. And I always thought that that was a, a very... A clever thing to do, to uh, not let us ponder on what had happened, but get us back in the air. Less than a month after I arrived, I'd qualified for my PPL. And a month after that, I was employed by Farrakh's School of Flying. And so began my career in aviation. Now, the boss then was a rather acerbic and bristly New Zealander who had once been a racing car driver and now had a couple of flying schools and sold aircraft. I remember once managing to stop him as he taxied out at his usual breakneck speed by standing in front of him with my arms crossed over my head. Uh, He ground to a halt and glared at me uh, as I gingerly stepped in between the two props, uh, the engines of the Cessna 310, twin engine, and removed the towing arm that he'd left still attached to the nose wheel. Uh, He never, ever mentioned it, and we never spoke of it again. My days used to start by me arriving here uh, just after dawn, unlocking the building and the hangar, about three hangars up in that direction, uh, and one by one dragging the school's aircraft out, started them up and taxiing them, parking them a nice neat line on the grass. There wasn't nearly so much tarmac in those days. I never had a title or a job description, so everything that nobody else wanted to do uh, was mine to do. And yes, if you visit the toilets today, I used to clean those very bowls. I hoovered and wiped down and cleaned up every day. And every day I took an aircraft off the line and and washed it. I kept them topped up with fuel, which meant going down to the same pump down there. And I remember during the 1973 fuel crisis, having the most terrifying flight of my life. Because the airport had run out of aviation fuel. So... Our New Zealander boss decided that the best thing to do was to fly off to Gatwick and refuel and then bring the aircraft back full of fuel and then we could do a day's work. I had never been to Gatwick. I'd never been to a controlled airport before, really. I felt like a country bumpkin sucking a straw who had suddenly been transported into a vast, complicated metropolis full of street-smart kids who knew all the slang and how things were done. But I managed to get back there, mainly because of the patience of the Gatwick air traffic controllers, but we got the airplanes refueled and came back and landed. After a long day, jealously watching all the others climb into our aircraft and go flying, it was my job to tidy up the flight school and then put all the airplanes to bed. I would start up each in turn and taxi them just a hundred yards up there to the uh, third hangar, And uh, in turn, and as I approached the hangar, I'd pull the mixture lean and the engine would would stop. I would turn off the magnetos using the key and drop it into the ashtray on the left-hand side of the cockpit. I don't know if that's where all the keys are nowadays, but it's gotta be the simplest thing in the world to steal an aeroplane. And I'd flick the battery off, clamber out, And then take hold of the prop, and it was really just a job of uh, jigsawing the airplane into the tiny hangar, pushing them back, and quite often you'd have to put the wing of the airplane you're pushing over the cowling of one behind. And I remember distinctly getting to the entrance of the hangar, pushing back and realising that the airplane I wanted to go over back there, I'd left the prop vertical. So I went, oh, damn, I'd better go and turn that prop round. So I walked up to the front of this Cessna and I got hold of the prop and moved it horizontal. (laughs) There are some knowing looks here. (laughs) As I got about halfway round, the engine moved over top dead center. And unbelievably to me, about nine inches away, suddenly from the quiet of a beautiful evening, I had a whirling disc of death inches in front of my nose. Now, I tried to step away from this monster that the airplane had turned into, but it was pursuing me across the shiny hangar floor as it started to move forwards, and it was sandwiching me against the airplane that I'd just left behind. So, I don't know, I don't think I could ever have repeated the feat, but I ducked down, swung around the propeller, grabbed the strut to try and stop the aeroplane from moving forwards but of course all it did was pivot around and was now threatening all the other airplanes in the hangar so I let go grabbed the door luckily I managed to get it open at first go looked at the offending key still in the magneto still set to both turned it off and quiet descended the aeroplane stopped and I was safe. I I looked around the crowded hangar and realized that I I couldn't understand how I hadn't hit something with this airplane, let alone survived the incident. And apart from an incredibly strong smell of exhaust, everything was undamaged and shiny. So I wandered outside and sat down with my back against the hangar door, watching a beautiful sunset. And nobody came to ask what had happened. I think I was probably on my own on the airfield. No one inquired why I'd nearly tried to kill myself. But soon I would be joining the Royal Air Force. But I took with me that lesson. You think at 19 you're invulnerable. You think at 20 you're invulnerable. And plenty of times in the Air Force, I did things that sort of reflected that. But I always had that little nagging fear that something I was gonna do might end up killing me. And I always approached flying with that little lesson behind me. I turned 20 and would very soon be joining the Royal Air Force and they would teach me many other vital lessons. But that was a lesson I learned all by myself and was by far the most important lesson I learned. Nobody's immune, nobody's perfect, nobody can get away with it all the time. And now perhaps I can pass that message on to another generation and they won't have to go through the same trial to uh, learn it. Well, that's it, really. Thanks very much indeed for listening. Uh, Before I go, I want to say a big thanks to Neville Bounce who uh, has come all the way down here to film uh, but I suspect all he's really doing is going to steal the audio and put it on the Plain Talking UK podcast. So to all of those uh, reprobates up in Bungie, all the best to you. Thanks for coming down there. Really appreciate it. And thanks very much indeed for listening. Wow.
4: That was
3: great.
4: Fantastic, man. That was awesome. <laughs> I would love like that. I like to hear about the uh,
7: yeah, we adventures want, of young Nick.
4: We want to do that every week now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope you know that.
7: Live reads. Live oh reads. Neville! Live
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah, well Neville's got to be involved as well. Yeah,
7: sorry. Absolutely. Neville.
6: absolutely yes. Beautiful he's job. He's going have to. Yeah, he's gonna have to take on a new job, unpaid. Uh, of course. And come down here and film me every week. Now, yeah, I I was delighted he could do that, and uh, m- wonderful quality um, video. Thanks, Nev, and uh, uh, great fun to do actually. So, thanks everyone who came along and um, listened. Uh, they were really very nice and patient. Um, so it was uh, great. Much appreciated.
4: Well, I'd like to thank you for those kind words at the beginning of the video. And uh, I, I forgot, how much am I supposed to write that check for? <laughs> um, we'll,
7: we'll, I'll, I'll tell you the terms he's okay. asked for later on. HR knows. I don't
4: remember the exact uh, yeah, details.
6: I, I've actually uh, now I've got an agent. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, oh. I'm Ms. Piper. Uh, got- is her name? So well, she'll be uh, doing the negotiations <laughs> for me. Ah. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. see how this is all coming <laughs> going <laughs> down. over to the dark side. She's only taking thirty-five percent, apparently. Yeah.
4: So I was, uh, Liz and I were, were commenting and listening to the uh, video. You could probably see us in our video thumbnails, Nick, uh, uh, having a discussion. But one of the things I said to Liz is that I I now kind of look at you as a, a colossal failure. Because you've tried to kill yourself so many times in your life.
7: And you just can't seem to manage it, can You he? can't no, get I, it done.
4: I'm useless at it. I, yeah, I, know. I,
6: I think I'm going to leave to a ripe old age and someone else will have to kill me. So, uh,
7: <laughs> well, don't look at me. I'm not doing it. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I've tried num- numerous times and never succeeded. So uh, there must well, be we're... some instinct in there that's just kept me from taking going that, that final step too far.
4: So, well, we're uh, thankful
7: for whatever that is. We appreciate you, yep, having yeah, having you around and getting to hear all these fantastic stories.
4: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. In the uh, in the background, we noticed the uh, emergency defibrillator. Um, uh, there is <laughs> that yeah. is that something that they put there all the time, or was it just no, you no, when no. you were doing that's, the? That's, uh... that's mine. I take it with <laughs> <You> me. <take> <laughs> it <laughs> it's a <right>. personal
6: AED. <laughs> yeah, I just
4: left it on the in wall there. In case of yeah.
6: sudden. <laughs> exactly. Just in case. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and expensive, you know.
4: Finally, before we move on to some more feedback, before we end part one, I'd also like to finally thank you for coming up with the show title. Oh, uh, really? I did? Whirling Disc of Death.
7: Disc of Death, (laughs) yes. have we used that before?
4: I don't know, have we? I don't don't think so, Uh, not that I I can recall. (laughs) Whirling Disc of Death. Yeah, maybe Mm. that or the... um, uh, what's the one that uh, Adam? Uh, uh, under Adam's
7: <laughs> yeah, I think that would under arousal. <laughs> under arousal
4: can be a problem.
6: <laughs> uh, under aroused, whirling disc of death. No, uh, no. That, that might be a little bit of a No. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll certainly work on that.
4: Yes. Well. Um, thanks. That was great. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and good, uh, good. now I really wish that I'd been able to get over there and attend that. But- <laughs> and You'd
6: have loved it. You'd have it. Wasn't Grace
4: good? Oh, she she was was well. yeah. She was wonderful. She
3: was fantastic. You know, it's great She's to 18. see the
4: kids of the next
6: generation. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, marvelous that, uh, you know, you think you're passing aviation on to these, pe- these fine people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it gives me a very warm feeling to think that uh, Grace will be a pilot in the cockpit one day. I'm
4: no oh, yeah she's sure of it. and uh, she's so well spoken and um you it's know just a great speaker and then also yeah. oh, uh, i was going to say and enthusiasm. i said to liz that um the uh, I, I really uh, believe that her 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 dad is a very lucky guy to have her as his daughter
6: oh absolutely yeah uh, and um you know she's a great spokesperson for uh, uh, synergy aviation mm-hmm. uh, and the flight schools uh, so uh, you know it's
4: really nice good yeah. job grace
7: well done grace
4: yes okay we're gonna jump to 15 and then we're gonna wrap this part one up and so here we go this is from dallas we mentioned him earlier in the show um let's see hey captain jeff steph rick and nick this feedback is for steph okay never mind liz this is this one's for uh, (laughs) just for steph
6: your own personal feedback
7: well i feel bad because i like i said earlier um my i have to look at the settings on my email, my airline palakai account. account, um, because he actually emailed me prior to doing this and I just saw it now. So, but anyway, go ahead with the feedback and we'll.
4: Oh, all and right, right before we do, Ant Pruitt, uh, you know, Mr. Hands-On Photography Guy and, and other great shows hey, hey, is with us in the live audience. Look at that. Hey, Ant. Oh, look at that. <laughs> we even have oh, a special there he is. Look, look. <laughs> a special uh, <laughs> overlay for he you, man. You
7: didn't know you were on our show today, did you? He's really <laughs> dropped in. <laughs>
4: isn't he a handsome man he is a handsome he
7: man
4: He is. yeah what what happened to those uh those tigers there when they played georgia a couple of weeks ago mm. uh-oh mm. too soon
7: those those that sounds like fighting words yeah He's all right leave, he has to leave now so well, i'm not
4: so now <laughs> yes. just so you're sure to, to to be sure that people understand i am not to be sure to be sure to be sure to be irish sure. uh george, uh, george not um you know one of my top um, schools that I root for. You know, I, I did go to Auburn University and Georgia Tech. So that's all I really have to say about mm-hmm. the University of Georgia. Anyway, uh, let's continue on with this piece of feedback and then we'll uh, wrap up uh, part one. Um, so this feedback's for staff. Again, this is from Dallas. I saw you today, Saturday, but sad I didn't get a chance to talk to you. I took my family to watch some skydiving such a beautiful day for it. I saw you just before you got into the caravan and watched you take one load. Well, I'm pretty sure it was you, seeing as I've never actually met you in person. Um, Probably not many others that look like stuff there, I would imagine. Um, Mm -hmm. No, maybe there are. Okay. Uh, Well, I'm pretty sure it was you. Oh, I just read that. It was Um, was me. But that brings me to my question. The otter had just left before you and dropped some jumpers at 5,000 feet. That was probably a hop and pop. Um, just that, See, I'm, I'm getting, oh, hump he's, he's getting
7: He's so good with the lingo now, Nick. I know.
4: I feel like I've been a... doing this for years. You, you give him one word, he thinks he knows it all. Shut up. Oh. Just all those, <laughs> you just ruined all those nice things that you said about me in your stupid meetup video or plane tail. Anyway, um, and uh, just that time, an American Airlines 737 flew directly overhead at 8,000 feet heading into Charlotte. I was quite surprised to see this. I did just find out you are under the Class Bravo airspace, so obviously there's a, there is communication there. But still, a little surprised that they would come right through there. Do you get frequent traffic directly overhead? Uh, love the show. My family recently moved to the Charlotte area. We are part of an organization called, I guess, pronounced JARS, J-A-A-R-S, uh, using aviation to further the work of Bible translation in very remote parts of the world. We are awaiting visas to go to Indonesia. Would love to meet up with you all sometime. Maybe you would want a tour of the facilities here at Jars. Keep up the good work. Love the show. Keep it up, Charlotte. Meet up soon. Yeah, we'll have to do that, Dallas. Yes. Dallas Glick. And so what? So he was concerned there stuff about uh, these pesky airline pilots oh, flying over at all uh, these eight thousand airliners feet.
7: in our space here. Um. No, yeah, we are we are under the class Bravo. We um, are the, so the airport itself is under the class Bravo. We are actually kind of on this um, T. If you look at the actual airspace of three different shelf layers, um, so to the south and west of the airport, the shelf begins at six thousand feet. To the south and east, it's at forty two hundred feet, and to the north, it's thirty six hundred feet. Um, of course, we need permission to fly into the Bravo airspace, and we. Generally are always dropping our jumpers either in the Bravo or through the Bravo, um, because the, the Bravo goes up to ten thousand feet. So um they'll actually exit above the class Bravo, fall through the Bravo, and then um deploy Do they need to
6: flight plan that? Who? Yeah, the, the individual skydivers. The jumpers?
7: Sky the jumpers? <laughs> <Yeah>. No.
6: <laughs> they have little transponders. How come? There's
7: not, there's not How a lot come? of
6: uh... everyone else would have to. This is true.
7: Um, well, first of all, <laughs> we can just get permission to to do this, and and um, the drop zone has been there for a very long time. In fact, before the Bravo existed in that area, so it's kind of grown up with it, which is why we have, uh, a, letter of have a Letter of agreement. We have a letter of agreement and, yeah, okay. of agreement and um, yeah. very specific enough. procedures that are followed. Um, so well, yes, usually. you will. <laughs> <Sometimes>. <laughs> they're followed. Oh no, they're On followed. On occasions, <laughs> they're followed. <laughs> I, I guarantee you that. Well I'm talking about um, from
4: their end of it, not yours. Oh, from their end of the things, yeah. I can't
7: speak for what they do, but we uh we follow the letter of agreement. That is um that is for sure. Um so yeah, if you come out to to watch jumpers at our drop zone, you will see airliners overhead. We actually sit in between um two of the arrivals. Um the oh banker and the oh my gosh, I just forgot the other one. It'll yeah, come to me anyway. The one a minute. that I usually fly. The one that you're usually on which I very much. No. Cacalak um, Jonesy. Jonesy, yeah. Banker in the Jonesy. Sorry. Yep. Ah, gosh, I had a brain fart there for a yeah, second. In fact, uh, um, since
4: I, I, Steph told me exactly where the jump zone is and the little airport, uh, Chester.
7: It's an, it's an easier airport to go. Yeah, and, and I see it. Sure. Yeah,
4: it's kind of a triangular uh-huh. arrangement. And so every time I'm on that arrival when they're landing to the north, I look down there and I go, hey, I know somebody that flies, uh, or is a jumper dumper down there. Mm-hmm. And they look at me and like, what the heck like, are, you what are you talking, talking about? about? <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, he's seen <laughs> us! Um, but there is
7: there's a lot of communication. We typically, um, um, almost as soon as we we take off, because uh, depending on the aircraft, between the Otter will climb at about thousand to fourteen hundred feet a minute. The caravan about two thousand feet a minute if it's cool outside and not not close to our uh, max weight. Um, but that doesn't leave a lot of time to. Do get in touch with Charlotte and get our Bravo clearance. So we'll take off, we'll make sure our airspace is clear immediately in front of us, and then we'll switch over to approach and talk to them, get our permission to enter the Bravo, um, follow and comply with whatever instructions they give us about um, our climb. Um, Sometimes they need us on specific headings or give us vectors or ask us to stay in a certain quadrant away from the airport or do different things just to make sure that traffic all flows um, smoothly through the area and it does take sometimes a fair amount of coordination and especially like on saturday we had both airplanes flying um so that makes a little extra coordination um usually i have three frequencies i'm trying to monitor at one time on two radios so that's interesting um uh, because we you know you have to space out jumpers you can't just be dropping jumpers on top of jumpers that doesn't work
6: out that's very their well problem not yours <laughs> well I, I, mike has got the perfect device for you
7: a flying a twin otter with the dump truck like device, where all of a sudden she just lifts it and everybody falls out. Yeah, that would be <laughs>
6: convenient. it. Um,
7: they wouldn't. The jumpers wouldn't like that for for planning their jumps and you know the groups that they yeah, prefer because. to fall with. It's called the surprise a jump. Um, but yeah, it's not uncommon to see airliners directly overhead. Um, if we have a low pass, um, they'll come through around seven thousand, eight thousand feet. Um, we'll see them underneath us as we're getting set up for jump run laterally. You know, three to five miles. Um, it sits busy airspace, but, you know, we, we have really good partnership with local air traffic control and, um, we try to fit into that system as best as we can. And they, they're very gracious in working with us.
4: And they're always happy to see you and they're never snarky. They
7: love us.
4: <laughs> that one. Yeah. <laughs> Um it's always one, and um, uh, I guess you know the one that I'm on the Jonesy coming in from atlanta we're we're all we're always at seven thousand feet at that point, that's kind of yeah, the it, bottom it of our seven thousand arrival
6: yeah. <laughs> Um, so the the guys that go from above ten and fall right through the Bravo, mm-hmm. um, how do you coordinate to make sure Jeff isn't coming through when you <laughs> drop them? <laughs> yeah, from so, above? so
7: good, good question. So um, we have to, we make local traffic calls um, because it's not only the airliner. Yeah, Jeff to
6: hear those. Not no, uh, actually, yeah, I so do the, hear that do, on yeah, the. So oh really? Yeah, so yeah jumpers make a call, are so away. So
7: we make, make a two minute call on CTAF. We make that call on the uh, common traffic advisory frequency to let uh, local pilots know that they should not be overflying the field. Um, and then we give a one minute call to um, our local air traffic controllers, and they actually make an announcement on the frequencies in the area um, to let everyone know that uh, we are conducting parachuting operations.
3: Okay. Every- cool. Everyone
7: hears it and yeah. we have to get permission. They have to approve it. They can tell us we have to hold off if there's something going on, We've had all kinds of things um, happened before. One time there was an emergency aircraft that actually was, almost directly over the field (laughs) so that wasn't uh, ideal for um, jump operations and uh, yeah there's there's sometimes just other things going on.
4: To be honest with you a lot of the times the approach controller will say something like you know jumpers uh, at whatever altitude over some airfield that I've never ever heard of before because I don't normally fly in this area and I just assume that uh, if it's something that I should be aware of that they would they you would not tell you give me a heading yeah. to yeah. move out of the way so I don't you know, they would tell you, they, you know, they'll jumpers. they'll
7: tell um, traffic that is close by. Like they'll they'll sometimes call it out specifically to them, let, let them know exactly where we are. Um, a lot of the controllers are pretty good about mentioning the um, location of the airport in reference to Charlotte. So, you know, 30 miles to the uh, south and west or there's another airport to the north. Um, and they'll give that that information because they recognize I, that people aren't it, local to the area and won't know the names of the specific airports or where right. those are.
6: Yeah, I I have renewed um, you know, admiration uh, Steph, because I didn't realize just how complicated that piece of airspace was. It, it's really quite it's, um, it's um, a, tricky. A feat. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's
7: it's tricky, it's busy. You know, we we do um have people sometimes ride along with us other pilots who aren't jump pilots, um sometimes even airline pilots and um usually but. the comment <laughs> Sometimes even, (laughs) you know, if if someone's around, if they're they're there, if they're there (laughs) to make a jump, but no, but there's usually, the comments are usually, wow, that's, that's busy.
4: Yeah. (laughs) It's busy. Wow. Good job. Glad I don't have to do that. (laughs) It's busy
7: and it, and it repeats itself every 20 minutes and it's different slightly
6: every single time.
4: Wow. Variety is the spice of life, they say. Yes. Absolutely. But I take out of a good job. Young lady. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, well, guess what? Part one is over. In the
2: can. So
4: you, yep, uh, we're going to ask uh, Captain Nick and Dr. Steph to uh, say good step their away. goodbyes. Step away from the mic. Just mics. step away from the mic. Don't <laughs> touch it. So Bye. We, need do it to,
6: we need to do a tap dance or something. Wait oh, no, 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 come on.
4: Come on back, Steph. On. <laughs> yeah, let's say a proper goodbye. And, uh, and then we'll we'll be back very shortly uh, with uh, with Rick, Miami Rick. Y'all have fun. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hey, I told you. I promised. It's uh, Miami Rick joining us. He is in Even Cincinnati. He is world traveler airplane mechanic, Brightling Cognizante, fitness hound, and international air freight captain. And as I just said, it's Miami Rick. Hey, Rick. Hey, everybody. Oh, happy to be here.
15: Sorry I missed, uh, missed out yesterday. A little scheduling had other ideas, but uh, here I am.
4: Very good. Very good. So uh, what did you do?
15: Well, I had a little, uh, they call it a, uh, repo flight. Not like we're, you know, repositioning, an aer- repossessing an airplane. We're repositioning an airplane. Uh, and, uh, it's kind of cool. Cause it was a short little flight from, uh, Riverside to Ontario. Almost as long as my old flights on the 747. Mm-hmm. And a whole, uh, grand total of 12 minutes. <laughs> take off to touchdown. It was, it was good. Nice, uh, uh, 189 flaps five the whole time. And you basically take off and, uh, you are just about on a, uh, on a, uh, uh base turn to runway two
4: six in Ontario. So it was uh, up and down right away. It was great. Used to do something very similar, uh kind of basically repositioning from Lauderdale to Miami or vice versa, uh, back in the, in the old days. Well, I've done that. I've,
15: uh, I remember one time we were going into Miami and, uh very very tight on the fuel because on the uh, on on the triple seven we used to do uh it's basically you know max load out of santiago to miami and obviously miami uh, the uh, the alternate is fort lauderdale <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so might, as well, might as well give you the uh, the north runway in miami cause fort lauderdale is right there mm-hmm. um and so um couldn't land in miami made it to fort lauderdale waited for the uh to the storm to pass and you know Fort Lauderdale to Miami was just a couple of minutes, just right down the beach, which is a flight we used, I used to do quite a bit. You well, know, when I used to live down there on the on the Cessna 172s up and down the beach, but it
4: uh, mm-hmm. it's a little different in a triple seven. Yeah, you're moving a little bit but, faster. Uh,
15: yeah, a little bit faster, but uh, it's a good time nonetheless.
4: Yeah. So it's interesting that uh, you can have so many airports kind of all lined up in a row on the east coast of Florida. And really not worry about all of them getting knocked out all at the same time. Although that did happen to me one time. <laughs> I was out yeah. there holding. Uh, we were coming in from New York or Boston or whatever, going to, uh, I think we were trying to get into Lauderdale. That was our scheduled. And uh, thunderstorms were impacting the entire, uh, I mean, from, <clears throat> from uh, Melbourne all the way or just, just south of Melbourne all the way down and oh, wow. we were out there holding over offshore off um, i forgot like freeport and then i think they moved us down to bimini mm. and then mm. finally i was looking at the fuel and the cushion was starting to get sucked up my you know what and mm. uh, i thought you know we're we're now min fuel and so we we kind of bugged out and then said we're heading up to melbourne i think it was the first one that we could get into and uh uh right as a I, I think I actually declared emergency fuel at some point. I mean, that's how, oh, did you? Oh, yeah, wow. how bad I was going to. I was. I was getting. And so we're we're heading up to like to the north. And I hear the controller ask a JetBlue, "Hey, uh, looks like they might be able to take somebody into Lauderdale. You guys want to give that a try?" And I'm and I'm going, "Excuse me, hello, hello, excuse how about me." me. I, I'd like to do that. Would it be okay if I did that? <laughs> so they said, oh, yeah, like, sure. Like the guy the, like the guy in, in, uh, in office space with his, uh, with his red, uh, red stapler. Did you see that movie? Uh, no, I don't think I did. Well, I'm sure somebody's going to get the reference. It's hilarious. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll have to watch it now. <laughs> uh, in fact, I think people have mentioned that movie several times, and, I, and they say that yeah. I have to watch it, and I never have. So I, I need to get classic. on the stick, so to speak. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, they said, oh yeah, okay, go ahead. And we, we got right on. And, and I think we landed with just a little bit less than we normally do. Um, and so we, I basically, during that whole thing, I said, oh, and we're no longer emergency fuel, you know, so just to kind of call off that emergency right now. Um, yeah.
15: You know, for us, it used to be, um, coming in from South America, uh, one ace that we had up our sleeve was, uh, Nassau over in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the trick there was, um, like you said, a lot of times these airports in the East Coast, have Southern, uh, southern uh, Southeast uh, tip of Florida there, they all get socked in because they're all right next to each other. You got Fort Lauderdale, mm-hmm. Miami, you have West Palm Beach, Alpalock, and all those. And so um, you would also analyze uh, and take into account Nass- uh, Nassau. And uh, if you were 20, uh, 250 or above, it would still make sense to deviate to the east into Nassau instead mm-hmm. of going west into all the other airports where, you know, everybody's trying to get in at the same time. If you got below 250, then fuel-wise, it, just, it, it didn't make sense. So you you mm-hmm. had to make up your mind below you got to 25.
4: So We considered going in there, but the, the big consideration for me was that this was um, an intra-United States flight. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Customs. And so, yeah, now you have to think about all the customs and all that kind of stuff, so... Um, anyway, and I think by that time we were holding at a point that it was closer for us to go to Melbourne than it was to go down to uh Nassau. Anyway, it was a big mess, but we, we worked it out finally. We, it was, uh, I'm still here. Yay. So, um, <laughs> not in the water somewhere. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, uh, why don't we, you know what we're going to do? We're going to, get caught up with you or are we caught up now after you're telling us about your, Oh uh, no, well just, uh, yeah, just, you know, been, been, Oh, well,
15: what did I do? I left home last Thursday, Friday. I did a day quip trip down to Charlotte. Uh, I was there uh, Saturday. I went up to Cincinnati. That was really cool. Cause it was a short little flight. Only went up to, um, two, four, 24, zero, 24,000 feet mm-hmm. and flew the whole thing at 300 knots, which was, uh, you know, nice. Uh yeah, so uh got to Cincinnati, I was uh I was spent the day here I think it was, a little under 24 hours and then over to Ontario. And I was supposed to sit uh reserve in Ontario this whole time. Uh hotel reserve, not uh, airport reserve, which is uh interestingly, when you when you sit um airport reserve or or hot reserve, they tend to not use you as much as uh when you sit hotel reserve. So R2 versus R3. Hmm. Uh so sitting R2 in Cincinnati and in uh, in Ontario, uh you know, immediately after I got in third you know, yesterday I had that repo flight. Then today the they uh uh yesterday night, sorry, they slapped a whole line um for the rest of the week. So tomorrow I'm going down to Tampa and over to San Juan, Puerto Rico. I'll be hmm. there for a day. And then uh I fly back to Cincinnati via Tampa uh the day and a half afterwards and then I'm done
4: for, for the uh for, for the week. So that's uh
15: it's gonna be nice going down to Puerto Rico, uh, you know, hanging out down there.
4: Yeah. Uh, nice nice
15: it's been a while since I've been down there.
4: Somewhere. Did they put you up at the uh, Carib, Hilton?
15: Uh, no, they put us at a Marriott. Uh, what is it called? It's right on the beach there. Uh, oh, nice. It's some kind of Marriott Casino, somewhere out there, but it's really nice, nice, really nice property. Yeah, yeah in to, the uh, old part, of town, it so it's nice.
4: Used to go uh, down to San Juan uh, quite a bit when I was flying the L ten eleven domestic. Ah, so that's uh, a really cool place, the, uh, Marriott Marriott
15: Stellaris Casino. Oh, so it's,
4: uh, nice. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Get some good, Look forward to that. get some good food down there.
15: Yeah. do I want I don't know about Cuban food, Puerto Rican food, maybe, but,
4: uh, Hmm. Yeah. Puerto Rican food. Yeah. 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 That'd be all right. That'd
15: be good. Yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's good stuff actually. All right. And then you'll have some time off. That's good. And, um, yeah. And then back at it, uh, uh
15: doing um uh turns over to uh, uh between Chicago and Stockton and and, and uh, down to Dallas again and then over to Ontario and uh, um this is going to be i think my last uh, bid period out of Ontario for a little while mm mm-hmm. um so i'm going to start flying out of Cincinnati again for the uh for the winter time um now that the weather the uh convective activity is kind of dying down a little bit so Change it up a little bit. So. Yeah,
4: looking forward to that too. Yeah, like it. All right. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, so we left a couple of the news items uh, over for uh, us to cover together, at Rick. And the first one is um, Northern Pacific Airways uh, announces the purchase of its first six Boeing seven fifty seven two hundreds. And uh, this week, Anchorage-based North, Northern Pacific Airways, a wholly-owned subsidiary of Float Alaska, floats all in caps, so that must be an acronym for, for something, F-L-O-A-T, um, agreed to the purchase of its first six aircraft, Boeing 757-200. The airline completed the transaction to meet part of its initial fleet requirements. The first aircraft within this purchase will be delivered immediately. The airline intends to offer service between points in the U.S., and Asia via Anchorage, Alaska. The acquisition of the Boeing 757's uh, first step in Northern Pacific's business plan. Prior to entering service, the aircraft will undergo a full sea-level maintenance check by Certified Aviation Services, LLC, a leading maintenance, repair, and overhaul MRO firm in San Bernardino, California. Mm. The Alaska-based carrier intends to continue enlarging its fleet as it prepares for passenger flights. The best-in-class Boeing 757-200 is powered by twin 36-600 Rolls-Royce RB211 underwing turbo engines for a maximum takeoff weight of 255,000 pounds. The plane can transport over 200 passengers to their destination uh, each flight with a range of 3,915 nautical miles, which is about 7,250 kilometers Per fueling, the single-aisle plane is less costly to fly than its wide-bodied counterparts, yet has a range greater than other aircraft of similar size. Over the duration of their manufacturing program, more than 1,049 Boeing 757-200s were delivered. So they probably made Um, Mm 1,050. The aircraft is well-suited for point-to-point long-haul flights and has enough space to accommodate each passenger's carry-on. And according to Rob McKinney, Northern Pacific's Chief Executive Officer, uh, Northern Pacific is proud to introduce these powerful aircraft as the foundation of our fleet. Yeah! Um, He didn't say that. The Boeing 757-200 will help us achieve operational savings and efficiencies while offering our customers a rewarding travel experience. So I'd never, the reason why I threw this in here, Rick, is because I'd never heard of Northern Pacific Airways or Float Alaska, uh, for that matter. But Mm. uh, they picked a great jet. Uh, I'm just surprised that they're starting off with uh, an airplane that a lot of uh, airlines are starting to retire out of their fleets because they just look at it as too old. But, as I'm sure you will agree, that 757 is an airliner that many, many airlines wish that Boeing had never stopped making, and it was just bad timing at the time. Uh, their orders were dwindling, and Boeing basically said, "Okay, I guess nobody wants this airplane, so we'll mm-hmm. stop making it." And I, I heard, I hear that they even basically destroyed all the the jigs and all the stuff that they used to all make the tooling, yeah, yeah, all the tooling and everything else. So when the airlines came back and said, "Excuse me." excuse me we'd like to have that airplane again they go i'm oh, sorry we we can't no, make right. any more of those things
15: we we destroyed the plans we don't know how to make them anymore yeah. well, i tell you i mean I, I i think it was i think it was 94 when uh when the when the 75 stopped uh being uh produced and it was it's a shame because i tell you. i mean that that airplane is is just something else um yeah and it, it's you know you know they're getting a little long in the tooth but mm-hmm. um The reason why uh, they, you know, a lot of cargo outfits uh, are still flying around is because they are just so. I mean the 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 amount of payload that they can carry and the type of air uh, the uh, type of airfields and 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 runways it can operate in and out of it's just just second to none. I remember Mm -hmm. Uh uh, back in South America um, on the seven five, you could (laughs) it was. Uh, an engine out in a in an airport like Quito or La Paz, Bolivia, was, was basically an event It was just a thrust to weight ratio. that thing It's just unbelievable. Um, it, and that's just uh, other, another interesting thing about it is that it's, it's it's a common type rating with a seven six. So if you fly one, you can fly the other mm-hmm. um, with a very you know simple differences course and a uh, couple of sim rides and a, and a, and, a, and a check ride right on. So uh, uh, just uh, just a fantastic airplane. Um, and there's uh you know FedEx still flies a lot of 757s. In fact, I believe they have the largest the largest fleet of 757s. UPS has 757s. Uh uh Northern Air Cargo, I believe, operates 75s. Acme uh, so still flies National a bunch Air. of them. Uh Acme flies a lot of them. You're yeah. right. Uh although Acme's are not Rolls Royce equipped. I believe no, those they're are not. Pratt and Whitney.
4: 2000s. They are, They are the Pratt and Whitney version. Yeah. Yeah, the Pratt and Whitney two thousands. Uh, but, but I mean, even even that uh, with that engine, uh, they they the people that I know who fly the uh, jets say that you know fully loaded it goes right on up to you know 35, 37. I mean, it's it's not you know a lot of it jets. If you're really really heavy and it, you know you're full of fuel and passengers. Uh, you kind of have to do a step climb up to your final mm. highest cruise altitude. And they said, nope, this thing goes right on up there. No problem. It goes straight up. And the cool thing about the 7.5, so, well, it's, it's one of the really
15: cool things about the 7.5 that the 7.6 doesn't have is that uh, it's, the 7.5 has a feature where if you get to a you know a very, very low airspeed uh, and prior to the stall, before the airplane stalls, the uh, leading edge slats will automatically deploy mm-hmm. to uh to keep you airborne. So, uh, Mad Dog a, had just that. It's a
4: fantastic Oh, uh, It did? I didn't know mm-hmm. that. Wow. Yeah. That's oh, one yeah, thing that's... that I don't have on this mini Mad, mini dog that I'm flying now. The, uh, 717, ah. uh, doesn't have the, uh, auto flap extension. Um, yeah. To protect against right. stall. Yeah. Anyway, uh, does Acme yeah. Giant fly the 7.5? No,
15: no, no, we don't. Uh, we own a couple of 7.5s, but uh, they are under uh, uh, Acme Leasing. It's, uh, they're operated by another, uh, by another uh, airline. Uh, gotcha. We own them, but we don't operate them under our certificate now. I'd well, wish i, I'd I mean, go in there and say, get I move all over out of my news.
4: seat. Uh, we own this thing,
15: you know? <laughs> I tell you. My favorite thing, though, about the 75, I don't know what. I, I, it's just my favorite thing about the airplane is when you go into the cockpit, you actually take a step down, you know, and you're, mm-hmm. and you're sitting below the uh the main passenger uh, uh level you know
4: it's kind of you know kind of like strapping a a, uh, a race car on you so, yeah uh, the thing i don't like about it is i think the probably the worst jump seat i've ever experienced uh because uh, at least the ones we have at acme uh, you it's right behind the captain's seat and every single time uh-huh. i've non or not uh, jump seated in it, the captain moves his seat all the way back so you have to kind of Go ninety degrees to the right to hang your legs off, and then it's so it's it's so high that your legs are just dangling, and that's not
3: comfortable
4: yeah. at all. The seven six also
15: had that uh, that one jump seat behind the captain, uh, the passenger one, because you have um, the one behind the captain right mm-hmm. there on the uh, the corner, the of the, uh, of the uh, aft uh, left window, and then you have one uh, between the two pilots. But uh, yeah, it's oh. not it's not a not a comfortable
4: ride. Yeah, Acme doesn't have the one that's between the two pilots; they just have the one that's directly behind the captain's seat Ooh, yeah and then you know you're sitting up so high too that uh it's great if you're trying to look at things on the ground in front of the airplane but like when you're flying approaches and that kind of thing you have to kind of bend down to kind of look out the windscreen <laughs> it's that i don't like it but anyway you know nobody asked me uh, uh liz did you put the uh overlay of the um
3: oh sorry northern no, pacific not. up
4: there just uh kind of look at their A reminder A little visual stimulation, as they say.
3: In the conversation. Oh, Oh, look at that!
4: Yeah, so there's their, uh, their, their paint scheme. Although I see see something wrong with that picture. Those are a Pratt Whitney engines, and I thought these were equipped with RB211s. Good point. Oh, very. Well, the artist obviously is not an aviation geek. Uh Oh. Yeah, those. Yeah. I have to say, those Rolls Royce um, uh, engines with the nacelles are nice and streamlined. They look really, really sharp.
15: They really are. They really are. And Ben's asking if the uh, the, uh, the Rolls-Royce engines are better. Nick would say so, I'm sure. Um, but uh, I don't know. I've, I've never flown. There are there are 7.6s with uh, RB211s, and Qantas used to operate a few, and so did British Airways. But I, I've i only flown 7.6s with Pratt whitney the PW-4000s, and the CF-6s, um, both the uh, old uh, uh, iteration of the CF-6 on the Dash 200s and the, the, obviously the newer... Uh, CF6 is on the
4: 300 and 300 ERs that I fly around now. So uh,
15: I don't know. Actually, I've never, I've never flown an airplane with an RB211 engine. so I wouldn't.
4: I, wouldn't I have. have. I flew an airplane that had the very oh, first yeah, of version of the RB211, the L1011 TriStar. What a great jet. Right. Great engine too. Oh yeah. All right, we're going to move to this next one here. Um, this is it, I think. Okay, um, a. Esterna linhas arias er, oh, Rick help me out.
15: Hang on, let me see here. That's
4: the F. Uh Esterna F. Yeah, the start reading the uh narrative there. Oh, Esterna that's Portuguese, Linhas
15: aires Uh okay. pretty yeah, similar to Spanish, I guess. Uh, it yeah. says uh Esterna Linas Aires Airbus A300 B4, registration Papa Romeo, Sierra Tango, November, performing post full cargo flight STR 9302 from Sao Paulo, Guarulhos, Sao Paulo to Recife in Brazil with a crew of three, landing on landed on Recife's runway 18 at uh, 0910 Zulu. However, the nose gear collapsed upon touchdown. The aircraft veered right of the runway and came to a stop with uh, both main gear and aircraft nose on soft ground. There were no injuries. The aircraft received substantial damage. It says here that the crew deployed the L-1 slide. The slide inflated but detached from the aircraft before the crew could uh, vacate the aircraft. Well, it's not the one thing you don't want to happen. Uh, The crew subsequently left the aircraft via ladders. Uh, The runway was closed for about two hours as a result of the occurrence on October 27th. 2016, Brazil's CENIPA, which I guess is the equivalent of the uh, NTSB here in the States, reported the crew lost control of the aircraft during the landing roll. The uh, aircraft veered off the right side of the runway as a result. And it says that an investigation is underway. In 2021, Brazil's CENIPA released their final report, concluding the probable cause of the accidents were control skills undetermined, inadequate use of (laughs) aircraft controls, particularly, (laughs) I would say so, Inadequate use of aircraft controls, particularly as regards uh, the mode of operation of the auto throttle in use and the non reduction of the idle power levers at touchdown. So they uh, didn't uh, bring the power to idle. <laughs> May have led to a conflict between pilots when performing the landing and the automation logic active during approach. Uh, in addition, the use of only one reverse, uh, the one of the right engine, and placing the left throttle. Uh, lever at maximum takeoff power resulted in <laughs> asymmetric oh thrust
4: that contributed to the loss of, <laughs> well, of the that's not a, that a, is a, that's not a recommended technique, just let me say.
15: <laughs> no, no. So that, uh, you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of um, the Qantas 1. It had a very similar uh, issue where they touched down, uh, brought um, uh, engines 2, 3, and 4 to reverse, and then engine 1 was put at uh, takeoff thrust. And that cost them two here off the runway. Wow. And the other uh, accident that comes to mind is um, the uh, TAM um, 320 in uh, Sao Paulo as well, uh, not Guarulhos, but the uh, the smaller airport in Sao Paulo, the one that's in the center of the city, yeah. where they touched down, and a uh, again one of the reversers was uh, written up, and then they bid the, the, the captain that landed uh, he didn't bring uh, both uh, levers out of the climb D10 into the idle D10, he left the one lever and climb and then the other level, uh, lever it uh, brought it to idle and engaged the reverse thrust that way. And then that conflict, uh, the, you know, it, it didn't allow the, uh, the, the logic to, uh, uh, didn't let the airplane to apply brakes or deploy spoilers or anything like that. they just went off the end there. So, hmm.
4: yeah. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, I, I think I see the problem, uh, here. Let me, uh, do this full screen for everybody. um, Look at that runway. It's not the straightest runway in the world. It's uh it's a little wavy.
15: <laughs> I think so.
4: I, I think so. I guess that's a little distortion from Google Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's not really what it looks like. <laughs> that's crazy. Anyway, and the other thing I was going to say is I think it is uh kind of a minor miracle that uh, they didn't hit this guy. Look at those um
14: Tire I know, he was so
4: close.
15: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he must have like,
4: They, they do, just between the runway light and
15: the guide too. That's some skill right there. That's the, <laughs> That's a lot that's of skill.
4: skill. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in this wow. case uh, as you were talking about the other case, uh the um the left reverser was um inoperative on on this uh uh-huh. on this flight and uh somehow yeah, they same sort of thing. They didn't get the power lever. Not only did they not get the uh, left power lever back uh in idle but they for some reason didn't it say it was like a max climb thrust or something or max takeoff thrust or power i'm thinking how do you how do you do that that's strange I yeah i don't uh i i know that we
15: have a couple of um of a300 drivers uh around mm-hmm. um and I've, I've i've never i've never flown an a300 myself so i i don't know how the the um I guess how physically the thrust lever quadrant is configured. Well, mm-hmm. I know, I know the the, the one of the three twenties and three thirties and three forties and such. They have gates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe the ones in the three hundreds and three tens are very similar to the, the the kind of you know setup that we are familiar yeah, it's with. Yeah, more where you have
4: a, more traditional. A, 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 a,
15: you're right. A, a servo moving the thrust levers up and down uh, depending mm-hmm. on the uh, phase of flight. But uh, but I mean, a lot of these. I mean, the logic uh, on a lot of these airplanes uh, when it comes to deploying um, uh, thrust reversers and uh, speed brakes and uh, activation and auto brakes and all that stuff depend on both thrust levers being at idle. Um, And if they're not, you have um, a little bit of a conflict there, which, uh, you know, uh, the
4: airplane can't resolve until you do the right thing. So, Yeah. So uh, piloting judgment, this is one of their findings, undetermined. I like the way they do this report. You know, like, what what did you say earlier uh, about the skills, control skills, undetermined? Mm. (laughs) Well, I'd probably use a different adjective. Um, But uh, let's see. uh, Piloting judgment, undetermined. The habit of not reducing the throttle lever to the idle position when passing 20 feet diverged from the procedures contained in the aircraft operating manual and prevented the automatic opening of ground spoilers. It's possible that the consequences of this adaptation of the procedure related to the operation of the airline airplane were not adequately evaluated, which made it difficult to understand and manage the condition experience. It sounds to me like these guys were kind of doing their own thing. It, they weren't using standard operating procedures at all. And uh, they yeah, kind of had a culture you, you know, of doing this at this, uh, this outfit, I think.
15: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of interesting how, uh, uh it would, it, what, what I, what, I understand from this one paragraph here is that uh, uh that their manual says that you have to bring the thrust levers to idle at 20 feet that's uh i don't know um uh, our manual says that uh and this you know this is the flight crew training manual it it says that uh you should bring the power levers uh to idle at a slow enough uh pace to ideally have the action of the uh thrust levers touching the uh the uh the idle detent coincide with main gear touchdown i mean yeah it's, yeah in a perfect world right <laughs> yeah exactly but uh yeah yeah 20 feet bringing them back to idle i don't know if uh sometimes i mean I, i've i've landed i remember one day we we're going into quito the old quito airport and uh I mean, I've talked about it many times, density, density altitude, and uh, true airspeed uh, is so high. Uh, and um, add to that the fact that the uh, glide slip into that old airport was, uh, I think it was 3.25 or 3.3 degrees. So it was uh, uh, quite a bit steeper than your standard 3-degree glide. And so uh, and if um, you didn't carry a little bit of power on right before a touchdown, the bottom would fall out and then the air is so thin up there that uh, you the engines didn't have time even though you were obviously on on approach uh, idle and everything else uh, the engines didn't have time to spool up to hold the airplane to keep the bottom from falling out so one time i remember i, I landed pretty much with pretty much with full power um, touched down and then brought everything back
4: up just like on the carrier full power i tell you <laughs> it was <laughs> I remember that
15: day. That was, a, that was an interesting day.
4: Wow. Yeah. I'm glad we uh, didn't read about it in the aviation Herald. No, no, no. We, we, at the, <laughs> if it, we, it, we I don't really think it was around it was. probably back then, but maybe it was, I don't know.
15: Yeah. It
4: was uh, it was an interesting day that one. Yeah. we had, a, we had a beer or two afterwards. <laughs> Boy, we got away with that, with that one. Right. Yeah.
15: Oh
4: Yeah. Um, all right. So let's move on to some feedback. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. Uh, this is from Andrew. And on last show or the show before we played the um, uh, Roger, Vic- Captain Roger Victor's um, video about acronyms acronym and contractions and stuff like the acronym mm-hmm. song. Uh, so uh, Andrew says uh, the acronym song in episode 489 by Roger Victor is a classic. Did you know the FAA has made a list of every officially FAA-recognized acronym and contraction? It's the, I didn't know this, the FAAO 7340.2.418. No, wait. No, I think I think it's just 418 pages of contractions. Okay, so it's 7340.2? Uh, yeah. So there's just so many numbers in a row and a couple of decimal points, I didn't know where the uh, where it ended uh 418 pages of contractions including every call sign country code and of course acronyms excellent before bed or during cruise reading now you wouldn't you wouldn't want to read oh. it during cruise not no. no no uh he has a link to it here and uh, we'll have a link to it in the show notes but um well I do have the PDF in our show notes so I didn't really I was hoping to have a chance to kind of peruse it a little bit and see if there was anything interesting in there that uh, might be fun to talk about, but did you know that there there was uh, something like this that existed? Yeah, in fact, uh, that's what the
15: uh, those two uh, folks that were on that uh, Northwest 320 that overflew Minneapolis oh, that's by what like they were 200 doing. miles. That's what they were reading. Ah. So uh, that's, <laughs> now uh, I get that's it. That's in the official report. So, yeah, <laughs> so uh, but no, I I, I I haven't read it. yet. Yeah,
4: well, get to it, and we need we need a full report, a book report on this thing. <laughs> anyway. Uh thank you, Andrew, uh, for sending in that link. And again, folks, if you're really, I don't know, you've you've run out of podcasts and television shows and movies. Some insomnia. Yeah, or and you're melatonin. suffering from insomnia, you might want to read this government document. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Um let's see. The next item is from Harris. And uh he writes Training and instruction has been a frequent topic over the past few episodes, and in several plain tales over the summer. Over the weekend, I rewatched Star Trek II, and it got me thinking about your training. The movie and opens with a training exercise called the Kobayashi Maru. Am I saying that right? I think I am. That sounds like um, uh, one of the sushi rolls that I really like ordering from my local. Uh, Sushi place. Yeah, no, I think so. That's a It's Sounds a, like a ship it's to good me. stuff. Yeah. Anyway, where a captain in training is put into a no win scenario to test character and gauge how a leader manages a crisis. Have you been put through something similar to this as part of your training, be it military or civil training or med school? Well, personally, not been to med school, so I can't answer that part. But I guess yeah. Dr. Steph could do that, but uh, she's not here with us today or th- um, part two. Um, so, um, let's see, I guess we can just stop right there. Uh, he has more, uh, that he's, um, going to ask us, uh, but let's talk about this particular question regarding if it's one of those things that, that we've been put through and I can tell you right off the bat, that no, I've, I've never been in a situation in the simulator or any kind of training where they just put so much stuff through so much stuff at you that it was basically impossible to manage, but just to see how you would handle the situation. Now, I will say, with a, a little caveat here or a little anecdotal um, experiences that we call what is it called, Rick, when you are in the simulator and uh, a self-induced an emergency uh, where oh, you so you just you just, <laughs> you, you, you either just go to, the, you go
15: to the wrong checklist, yeah, or or, or, or
4: first of all, the the first level I think is you're 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 flying along and you know you're in the simulator and it's probably your check ride and you're waiting for something to go wrong and <laughs> and then you just kind of look at something and think well, I, I don't think that's right okay and then you and, and then of course the simulator instructor is always laughing to himself you know you know
15: the worst one the worst one is is like you you're, you yeah you, know, you have you, you have b1 cut b1 cut b1 cut yeah. b1 cut you know and and the and there's always going to be a little bit of a crosswind on takeoff for on a simulator you know so, mm-hmm. so you're taking off you know runway 36 wind 0 and you're at fifteen, got twenty five, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you've got this V one cut in your head. You don't know when the <laughs> hell is going to happen, and you're going down the runway, and the airplane starts going side to side. It's just the <laughs> it's just the wind, yeah. And you're all over the friggin place, and you're like, what the hell engine you, failure? You keep looking at the screen. It's like, well, no, and 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 then you reject the takeoff because you thought it was an engine failure, and it yeah. was just you know nothing. So, yeah, one of those.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or as you mentioned, Rick, uh, the most common self-induced emergencies are caused by getting into the checklist and you'd think that you know just just follow the checklist how how hard can that be but uh, trust me you have to be very careful and very deliberate when you're running these checklists because if you rush them it's very easy to go like because you'll go to a certain point and it says if it's this then oh, go yeah. here if it's that then go here and it's very easy to take a wrong turn in there sometimes and, oh yeah you yeah you'll these get the that you
15: oh you know, you'll go down this rabbit <laughs> hole that has absolutely nothing to do with the with the with and, and you know what ends up happening oftentimes is that you actually end up shutting systems down that are not that, <laughs> that, you you know, that perfectly that not broken at all mm-hmm. and you, and you end you end up you know giving yourself a an electrical or hydraulic failure for no reason yeah and then you know the the, the instructor in the back's gone what really <laughs> so, uh, no, I mean, a, a lot of times, a lot of these, a lot of these things are, are, are self-induced. Mm-hmm. Um, in my experience, uh, just, just like you, Jeff, I've never had a, uh, because you have to remember that the whole point of these training, uh, um, uh, I guess, uh, sessions is just to practice. Scenarios, things that would happen in real life, and so you have to keep it realistic uh, to some, as, as much as you possibly can. Um, and so, it is very, very rare that you're going to have a, an electrical failure with a hydraulic failure with an engine fire and a you know, uh, and, and weather down to you know Cat One minimums. So that's just that's just not going to happen. So you might get one, maybe two. But uh, I don't I don't see
4: something like, you know, yeah. you know multiple failures happening at the same time. I will say you know, no, been... it, it
15: would it would be kind of productive, really. I, I don't I don't see the the benefit
4: of that. Well, yeah. And that's so I was going to say exactly that back in in the day. And I've been doing well, let's see. I started flying in the Air Force back in 1981, uh, 1982. The early year I was born. Yeah. OK. <laughs> Rub it <years>. in. Um. <laughs> Yeah, before the turn of the century, and 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 then in my early days with the airline, coming up on 33 years now, um, I have to say that it, it was more common to see that sort of thing, you know, getting more emergencies thrown at you than you know multiple emergency situations. Uh, I think over the over time though, they realized, as you said, it's counterproductive. It's 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 negative training actually. And it is negative training. they f- basically finally training. learned that you know what's more important here is not how, if they can handle all this stuff and fly the airplane at the same time, it's more about working together as a team, the cockpit, uh, crew resource management, you know, assigning duties and roles and, you know, and working the checklists efficiently, uh, all that. That's what it's all about but now.
15: I, but, but that also goes, but you know what, that this, this kind of, um, uh, cause I, cause I tell you when I, when I used to fly in South America, uh, and I would get my, my, um, uh, My uh, six month simulator check uh, down in Santiago for the seven six when I first got started. I'm talking, you know, early two thousands. A lot of these, a lot of the instructors um, were retired uh, senior pilots that were still flying around, Uh, not flying around. Sorry, uh, uh, employed uh, Mm -hmm. by the airline as instructors, Uh, and they had this old mentality where um, you kind of have to, you know, overload uh, the student to see how they uh, Mm -hmm. how they um, uh, respond. And as these folks have been, you know, uh, retiring and moving on to other things and new instructors have, been, have taken over uh, in my 13 years down as, in, in, in Chile and uh, uh, Ecuador as a pilot, uh, I could I, I definitely saw a change uh, in the uh, type of instruction mm-hmm. that uh, I would receive uh, from, you know, the early 2000s to uh, 2016 when I left. Uh, very, very positive change because, as you said, um, you know that that kind of training it really is kind of productive. It really doesn't teach you anything. No, uh, and the whole point of this thing is to uh, give you an opportunity to practice the very
4: things that could go wrong in the line, and to react accordingly. Right, and uh, so that's the point. You know, and even back in the day when I was first hired by Acme um the first position was flight engineer on the 727 and we go through mm-hmm. just weeks of ground school and learning you know in depth about all the systems and we'd always joke that you could almost take an airplane and like take it completely apart and put it all back together again now obviously that's a stretch but we had to know yeah. things though that I, I always thought this was weird so you have to know you know this valve closes at 235 degrees celsius but there's mm-hmm. no way you can actually see what the temperature Mm -hmm. of the air and the duct is at that point of the system. But you still had to know that it was 235 degrees, you know, dumb things like that. And so then as time went on, they almost went too far in the opposite direction. And they basically... Didn't teach us anything about systems, and no, they just relied no, upon it, it, you know it, it, using a checklist. And I'm thinking, no, you need to know a little bit right. about the systems.
15: Yeah, and if it, if it's if it's in the green, it's good. You know I mean, I mean, yeah. and, and there's and that that also is counterproductive productive because you do need to understand a little bit of how the system works. Right. So that not not so much so you can diagnose what's wrong because that's what the system is for, but to understand what kind of impact a failure or of a of a system uh, would have on other systems for example you know what what happens so it, it's um I don't know, like something that comes to mind just off the top of my head uh, on the 76 for example if you are say you take off and uh, you are in the mid teens you know 15 20000 feet and all of a sudden you one of the two packs air conditioning packs failed um yeah, you're going to run the checklist, um, but you're going to continue climbing. But it would be beneficial to know that with a single pack, your ceiling is all of a sudden limited to flat level three five zero. So stuff like that, you need to kind. It's it's not a recall item. It's not a memory item. It's just basic systems knowledge that that comes in very very handy when something like that happens on the roll. You know, so right. um. So I'm I'm saying, you know, don't you don't have to know the exact deceleration rate for autobrake Three, but no stuff like this because this is stuff that comes in handy that you need to know to operate the aircraft uh, safely.
4: Right. If you're going to teach us just okay, green is good, red is bad, and you know all that kind of level of simplicity when it comes to Mm. understanding systems, well, you may as well Mm. have computers flying the airplane and have the humans not in the cockpit. Because that's basically what you have when you're training that way. So having a at least a fundamental uh, understanding and of the and knowledge of systems mm-hmm. is handy. And that's when the human brain comes into effect, the pilot brain, I like to call it. When something happens, and it was something that never nobody had ever contemplated happening, and so now we can use our our pilot brains or human brains to to kind of sort it all out and knowing you know, a little bit about the system is, uh, is a handy thing. So
15: absolutely. I agree
4: hundred percent. Okay. Uh, let's move on to, oh, no, wait, no, we finished. Let me finish off, uh, Harris's, uh, feedback here as a related question. Have you been in a training session that was programmed with such a preposterous scenario that you had to say, stop, this is a waste of my time, your time and the company's time. <laughs> for example yes a trainer who must have uh, just finished uh, binge watching a season of air crash investigation started you with a stall recovery added in a thunderstorm loss of hydraulics the first officer having a heart attack and of course a volcano <laughs> i'm not sure what the volcano would have to do with anything but maybe flying through volcanic ash that would not be good anyway yeah, clear and skies. also you have
15: to fish for dinner yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> clear skies tailwinds and keep the blue side down Oh, he has an asterisk yeah. with that one. Only if the underside of your aircraft is painted blue. <laughs> Otherwise, don't do that, or you may be the fu- the star of a future air crash investigation episode. That's I a think good you're advice. To read
15: that. Yeah, I, th- I think you're supposed to read that very fast, like, you know, that that the disclaimers at the <laughs> yeah. end of. Uh, Only if the
4: underside of your aircraft medication. is painted blue. Otherwise, don't do that, or you may be the star of a future air crash investigation episode.
3: Uh oh, haul Boxes is disagreeing with you, Jeff. Uh
4: oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I must disagree according to eye hall boxes a colored band with indication is easier for the human brain to interpret. Well, yeah, interpret so you understand what's happening. I'm not saying that aspect of it. I'm thinking now you've determined that the um whatever the reading is is uh wrong or bad or right. alerting Without you to limits. something right. and then knowing the uh I think you misunderstood what I was saying there. I I'm not saying that that's all you need to know. And, uh, or, I mean, I'm not saying that that kind of a display or a presentation isn't a handy thing. I agree. Or even, uh, aligning instrumentation back in the old days before we had, you know, this style of indication where all the, all the pointers were for a four engine airplane are all pointing in the same direction mm-hmm. that gets your mm-hmm. attention right away. When you notice that one of them is not. And you are oh, that's not right. right. You know what? What's mm-hmm. one is what? What's the uh, the highlights uh, magazine thing? One is one is different than the other, or something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Which, one's the yeah, w- yeah, which one's different than the other? But so that kind of thing, yeah. For the human brain, obviously, I, I agree with you. There, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that once you figured out something's not going right, then understanding the systems uh, or having a bit of, I'm not saying being able to kind of put take it apart and put it back together bolt right. by bolt, but you know, knowing something about how it's going to impact.
15: Right. Just ha- practically. Ha- having an idea. Ex- exactly right. How is, how is that particular failure going to impact the, the flight,
4: uh, you know, downstream from that particular failure. Right. So, yeah. And I'm sure eye haul boxes would agree with that. And if yeah. not, then somebody throw him out of the chat room, please. Yeah, you okay. <laughs> when, you're, when you're a chat room bouncer, <laughs> Micah, <laughs> just kidding off with his head. No, I'm just kidding. He's, he he usually uh, is there for uh, at least a few good laughs. So we'll keep him in Absolutely. there for now. He's on probation though. Absolutely. Um, okay, he's we have
7: peace with it. He's yeah. at peace. Oh, he's
4: at peace with it. Awesome. Right. Oh, good. Good. He's he's trying to keep us above that fifty percent, right? Yeah, I like it. All or right. in the green band. Or in the yeah. green band. Yeah. <laughs> we need to have a some kind of a graphic with the the pointer in the green, right? Yeah. We um, do. We're just pilots here. Uh, you know, I'm surprised we don't have one that shows the uh, the fun meter. You know, the, fun, the my fun meter is pegged. Isn't that fun what we call The easy button? Yeah, and the easy button. <laughs> yeah, the easy yeah. button. I love the easy button. Uh, all right. Okay, here we go. Uh, this is from uh, Glenn uh, calling himself Captain Kangaroo, and he sent us some audio feedback, and here we go. Greetings, salutations, and many of
1: Douglas's talons to all the many captains of the APG. Hello. Uh, Captain Kangaroo here, another captain. Just a um, bit of feedback. Based on the recent incident we had in Providence Town, the Cape Air 402, and prior to that, um, some recent runway excursions involving jet aircraft, uh, the one at Jacksonville International Airport comes to mind, the 7-3, with an excursion into the river. I just want to make sure everyone's aware that there is an excellent document the FAA have published um, that references operation. This is specific to turbojet aircraft, but I believe there's our applicability in all types in heavy rain conditions, which won't always be reflected on some of the digital aids or other information, it may be more likely to be reflected in pilot reports But if one references the SAFO, and here we go, Nick, this is for you, you can look at all the numbers, uh, 19003 that the FAA published, it gives you an indication for an ungrooved runway that a moderate rain condition can lead to a severe reduction, primarily due to the various forms of hydroplaning in your braking capability. And the recommendation if you want to equate it to a runway condition code or an rc code on an ungrooved runway moderate rain normal rain ra is recommended to be treated as an RT, rc2 which equates to medium to poor braking a grooved runway in the in, sorry in the heavy rain ra plus is recommended to be treated the same way To put this into context, and these aren't firm numbers, but just to give an idea, that's an approximate tripling of the required uh, landing distance to complete a safe landing, which may mean that the runway you were planning to land on in the middle of a heavy rain event may not be appropriate. You may have to hold or go somewhere else. Uh, Just want to make sure everyone's aware of this. Again, reference SAFO 19003. Another quick note Uh, Captain Kangaroo has been operating in the northeast of the US and I'm happy to report that uh, uh, the ATC that I've spoken to about this are perfectly aware of what a pan pan is and uh, you shouldn't be afraid to use it in fact as as the previous conclusion it's probably a recommendation because it makes it very clear that you do want to get that urgency if anything They're a little unsure on the distinction between a Pan-Pan and a Mayday and are likely to treat you as a full Mayday aircraft. But I guess one shouldn't be complaining for getting more attention in terms of phoning a friend. Uh, Over and out, and I'll try and leave feedback more often than every two and a bit years. Thank you.
4: Darn right. About time. <laughs> that was great. Audio feedback. Thank you, Glenn. Look forward to it was great, yeah. uh, hearing more from you. And, um, no, I know he was talking, uh, in, at some point, excuse me, talking at some point to, uh, Captain Nick, who is not l- with us on, uh, this part of the show, but, um, maybe, uh, we can ask him about this. Uh, and if he has anything to, to say in, uh, in reference, um, you know he can he can add in his two cents because i know he'll probably be listening to this uh right now. Hey Nick. Um so if you have, any, have anything to add or subtract, uh please feel free to do that. Um but uh yeah, uh, heavy rain. I I don't know about you, Rick, but you know flying low vis approaches and uh that that sort of thing and icing and all that kind of stuff. Doesn't really bother me as much as flying in heavy rain. I mean, the the couple of times that I've almost had to go around, uh, and from you know, or, or aboard a landing attempt or whatever you want to call it, was because the rain was coming down so hard and the wipers were going full blast. I still couldn't see what I really needed to see until like just the very last moment, uh, and that to me just get, makes me shiver. Uh, and then of course the seeing the runway, of course, is one thing. But then now he's talking about the fact that once you're on the runway, even if it's grooved with heavy rain, you're basically in, you know, medium to poor uh, poor, braking conditions. And uh, that's no good, especially if you haven't planned for that.
15: Yeah, a lot of and, you know, keeping in mind that a lot of um, uh, a lot of airlines, uh, uh, FOMs, flight upgrade manuals, uh, prohibit landings with um, uh, break in action reported as poor. Mm-hmm. And so it would be, you know, it's, it's a good idea to to, to as this uh, feedback. Um, and as Captain Kangaroo um, expertly points out, uh, it's, it's always a good idea to um, um, relate uh, the intensity of the rain to the type of runway uh, surface that you are presented with for your particular landing. Obviously, if you have you know, uh, heavy rain reported. And, uh, one of the things that you should look at when you are, uh, planning, uh, your landing is whether the runway is grooved or not for this particular reason. Um, mm-hmm. if you, uh, if you're presented with a short runway, uh, ungrooved runway and heavy rain, uh, at a, you know, it doesn't even have to be a very high landing weight. Uh, it just, you know, you just know right off the bat that, Hey, this is uh, perhaps not a good idea. Mm-hmm. And so uh, either, as you said, uh, hold or just consider uh, uh, going to your alternate. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing mm. wrong with that. Um, also, keep in mind that uh, uh, we use a, it depends on the airline too, but we use a variety of, 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 of tools to uh, calculate our uh, both takeoff and landing performance. And um, uh, the system that we use at uh, Acme Giant is called uh, AeroData. And it's a system that uses the aircraft uh, a cars, uh, aircraft addressing reporting systems. Basically, you fill out a template with the runway you intend to use. Uh, obviously, the wind, the temperature, uh, the uh, Q&H or the altimeter setting, uh, and the uh, and if obviously the, the the type of precipitation, if if there's any, and any and uh, the um, obviously your landing weight. Uh, your flap setting for landing, and whether or not you're going to use reverse thrust or not, uh, and then the uh, run the, the the system will spit out a uh, landing distance report, uh, letting you know what each auto brake setting and what your full manual braking uh, uh, landing distance uh, would be. Now, this is only applicable, and really, this only matters if you touch down at the touchdown zone and, and, and very, very, uh, you know, uh, short runways, like the, well, you know, 9,000 feet isn't exactly short, but in, 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 in when, when the runway is a limiting factor, it's, it's, uh, it's very, very important that you touch down right where you're supposed to touch down. And I remember reading, uh, this, uh, report and, uh, how these folks, uh, landed with a bit of a tailwind. They landed uh, fast, and they crossed the threshold high, uh, and uh, seems to be this is a common theme for this uh, particular episode. Uh, one of the thrust reversers was uh, inoperative as well, mm-hmm. and they didn't arm the speed brake. Um, yeah, well. and so you add all you add all these things,
4: <laughs> the funyuns, uh, yeah, the funyuns, the holes of the funyuns,
3: funyuns,
4: effect. Oh, effect. I'll tell you, they all lined up. up. They all lined up.
15: <laughs> um, one thing that I always look at. And I've been doing this for, you know, a a very long time, as long as I've been flying airliners. Uh, After I call for landing flap and I reference my uh, approach reference page for my ref speed so that I can set my ref speed plus five or whatever my wind additive is as soon as that is set. Um, And as part is calling for the landing checklist, I'll always go to the progress to page. And this is Boeing specific. I don't know how this works on other airplanes. And there's a really important piece of information on that page. And that is the overall headwind and tailwind component and crosswind component for the wind at that altitude. And it's always good to reference that. I remember actually not too long ago when uh, the last time I went around, uh, going in, in a Kona, uh, a big island, about a month, two months ago, maybe. Uh, the reason why I went around is because very, very short final. I looked down and the, the, the tailwind was at 12 knots hmm. at uh 300 feet. And so, our limitations 10. It's a very long runway, and uh, you know, nothing would have happened, uh, but limitations 10. So always, always incorporate that tailwind into your, uh, into your scan, five in there, minutes short left final, five minutes. Uh, especially when the runway is limiting, uh, because you know, it might, uh, might save your bacon one day.
4: Good advice. Good advice. And yes. thank you, Glenn. Also for mentioning the, uh, familiarity of the controllers that you've spoken with re- uh, here in the Northeast uh, or in the Northeastern United States, the fact that they are familiar with Pan Pan and, you know, mm-hmm. what it means when we say it. So it's that's, that's good to know. I think that uh, slowly we uh, Yanks are going to, fi- you know, convert to, uh, you know, making that a commonplace thing, you know, pan, pan and mayday uh, call outs. So yeah. I think I'm a convert. Uh, I think I'm finally convinced that that's probably something that I should have been trained to do a long time ago and just just didn't. So. Again, thanks for your audio feedback. It was great. We look forward to hearing more from you in the future. And that means we are now at that point where we're at the end of episode 491. And so uh, I like to call this uh, segment wrap up. Let's wrap things up by talking about the fact that we have a great website called AirlinePilotGuy.com. And there you can find information about the crew and the community got a crew i mean a community calendar we have um merchandise we have the library our librarian tiffany manages that uh we have uh the a youtube link for youtube the link for the show uh the uh tales a separate page for that where your information about how you can subscribe to Plain tales as a standalone podcast if you'd like to just listen to those uh, and Nick uh, puts more information about each plain tail and some uh, images uh, associated with it. So it's a, it's a, a great resource for you. And uh, yeah, that and more ways to contact us and send us feedback and that sort of thing so check it out oh yeah the coffee fund as well so check it out airlinepilotguy.com and we're on social media and rick you want to take a stab at it
15: absolutely let's try it again maybe we'll get it right this time
4: <laughs> practice <laughs> everything, makes perfect
15: airline pilot exactly for that's how i learn to fly for everything airline pilot guy related on facebook just go to airline pilot guy uh we are also on twitter at apg crew we're all on there everything apg related and on instagram at APG crew lots of pictures and cool stuff on there as well
4: and we have one more way that you all can interact with the APG and the community and I believe uh, Hillel is in charge well, of that I don't know let me see I'm not sure if he's here in Jackson Mississippi or oh, hey, in he a follows you around. I'm sure he is all right. oh yeah he's a- hey Hillel can you help us with slack okay
5: but I'm dripping wet
4: okay yeah, same same old thing. Just make sure you use a towel. Put that robe on, please. We We don't want to see that again, that's for sure. So come on over here and tell us about Slack, please. APG listeners, please
8: join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas, we suggest episode and plain tales topics, we plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack.
4: All right. Well, thank you very much, Hillel, for telling us about that and uh, look forward to yeah, what
8: I could walk over there. I wouldn't need the talcum powder.
4: Oh, he's got some kind of a, an issue. Uh, he needs talcum powder. He's
3: irritated. <laughs> he looks like a boy. rash.
4: <laughs> irritated skin. Okay. Has you, been a, has you been to Thailand lately? That's a- <laughs> I don't know, but maybe that's a, we'll, we'll have a discussion offline. Yeah, off air, I think so. Yeah, off yeah. air. Yeah.
7: discussion on Slack about
4: that. Yeah, or a discussion on Slack. Good point, Liz. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway, so uh, check that out. And uh, finally, we'd like to say thank you to our awesome producer, director, uh, control room extraordinaire, Liz Piper. She's in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Thank you, Liz, for everything you do. Couldn't do Thanks, it that All right. And... With that, it's time now to thank you again for flying with us on uh, Flight 491. And until next time, wishing you clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Take care, and God bless. All right, everybody. Take care. See you next week, and be well.
3: Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy.
8: Good day.
9: A good good pilot till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies, I helped them to their seats. Airline, I -I guy I fly. Friends, cause I'm always flying. I just don't have the time. But I can land this old plane, I can land it just fine. Airline, my guy, I'm flying.